0: Is money good? Is money bad? Today we're going to think about money and all the stuff that it can buy and how God wants us to live with our money in honor and glory of Him.
1: So money becomes the root of all evil when it becomes our God. Hmm. When money is gonna be more powerful in our minds to save us and to satisfy us than God, then we are going to begin to serve money for its promises rather than being master over our money to make it serve God.
0: All right, well, welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer. It's so great to have you listening today. This podcast is to encourage us you and I and really any woman who listens that we can be unshaken because of Christ no matter our circumstances. So today is episode 154. The title is The Stuff of Earth. And there is a lot of stuff of earth, I have to say. But before we jump into that discussion, let me introduce you to my guest and friend, Katie Lowell. Katie, you have been on Talking Before About Anxiety quite a while ago, actually, yes. in our probably, I think, our very first season. Yes. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And although I will tell you that when I listen to those, I cringe listen, <laughs> <laughs> listening to them. The content was great, okay? Katie, tell us a little bit about your family and what you do all day.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Julie. Um, so since the last time that I visited the show, I think it's been about three years, actually. Yeah. Um, so we were just getting ready to welcome or had just welcomed our third child, um, Isla June. And then she is now almost three. Wow! And she was our curveball for sure. So she's (laughs) always keeping us on her toes and she's um, making our small house feel a little more snug. (laughs) So that just adds to my tips that I've had to learn for today's podcast. Um, But we also have a five-year-old son named Finley and a seven-year-old daughter named Evelyn, um, since we last talked, I've added homeschool, we do ballet, we've got hockey lessons. So it's um, really neat to kind of experience that from the mom end of mm-hmm. these life events. So Katie, you know, our topic today is all about the stuff of us.
0: So why would I be asking you about this topic?
1: Okay, well, first I'll give you a little bit of background about me with regards to home management and minimalism. Um, so first of all, I grew up in a big family. So messiness and chaos and a lot of possessions are to be expected to some extent. So I remember that I'd always been pretty poor about maintaining order since early childhood. So cleaning out under my bed, I distinctly remember took a lot of help from my brother and my cousin. Um, It took all three of us several hours and a lot of trash bags. (laughs) Um, I first began loving home management when I took a marriage and family class at my Christian high school. And I would tell my dad proudly that I was practicing to be a wife, obviously. (laughs) Um, And really just like cleaning up and organizing a big house with my four siblings was pretty good practice. Doing dishes for a family of seven was good practice. Making a schedule for my little siblings who I babysat in the summer was good practice. Sure. But I still had a lot of slob tendencies that followed me until I was a young mom. I like the the word slob tendencies. (laughs) Yes. I am actually, I would say I'm- You're a recovering slob. (laughs) Yes. In fact, that is what drives me is not going back to that. To that, yeah. Yes, because it's stressful. Um, So now a lot of my passion is just enjoying the freedom of not having messes pile up. Hmm. So believe it or not, it really is far less work to pick up the same number of items throughout the day- And throughout the week versus all in one fell swoop. And it's usually a lot less tears. Sure. (laughs) So, um, it also is just really fun to know where shoes and keys are and when you're rushing out the door or where that water bill got placed. Sure. So talk about living your best life. (laughs) Right, right. But in all seriousness, um, diligence does oftentimes seem like the harder work, but usually it's the best path to actually having true physical and mental rest from Mm. your work. Wow. Hmm. And God wants us to rest and he wants to wants us to enjoy our homes and our families and have quiet time with him. So working hard to make time for rest is fruitful work. Hmm. I am I'm really looking forward to talking about that today
0: because I think it is an important topic. Yes. I think that it's something that a lot of women struggle with the slob tendencies. Yes. And it's it's hard to overcome them. So I'm, I'm looking for that today as we talk. Just, I think, just the practical side of this. I know you're a real practical girl, Katie, so that's mm-hmm. going to help. But it makes me think too... Um, a long time ago well three years ago I had you on the podcast and yeah. we talked about anxiety yeah and if you haven't if you haven't heard that one head back to the very early archives of our podcast very early. yeah like maybe the third or fourth episode yeah seriously because it had a lot of good content and and I but I I think I wanted to ask you like are you all covered with
1: anxiety you never struggle anymore no I do get to struggle with anxiety um I think that's where God, has me exercising my spiritual warfare a yeah, lot. Yeah. Um, I would say that I have grown a lot. I've become mm-hmm. better at that battle. Well, you should go back and listen uh, yes, to yourself. I, I actually this year was thinking about going back and listening
0: yeah, to it. That's a I'm kind of scared to listen to myself. <laughs> but it's good. So what, what would be um, one Bible verse that would be super helpful to you now, even now that as you fight, continue to fight anxiety?
1: Yes. Okay. So I was thinking about this and I think the one I just keep coming back to, um, because anxiety oftentimes is just unbelief. It's mm. not trusting God. It's not believing that he is who he says he is. So I know that it's a simple one, but um, often I fall back on Mark nine twenty four, which reads, so this is actually like when the father is coming and asking Christ to heal his child. Okay. And, um, it reads, Mark nine twenty four says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe help my unbelief. Hmm. And so the, just that statement, I believe help my unbelief is a constant prayer hmm. because um, I want to believe in the Lord and I desire to have greater faith. And so just knowing that he will answer that prayer. Hmm. That's really helpful. And that's one of those, it's a very
0: small verse, yes. very short verse. Yes. But really, you're right. If it's said in a prayer. Yeah, it. It's got a little bit of power. I don't know if it's the verse that has power, but it just helps us. It's got truth.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yep. And I just know, I'm so aware of my weakness and my inability to show up faithful despite Mm. my desire to be faithful. So this verse is such a comfort Mm. that of course I'm going to have unbelief mixed in or fear and that of course God is generous and he's powerful to provide when I ask him for the belief that I long to have. Right. Yeah. And, And what a great example to us of
0: just... It's just a simple thing. Yes. But it's a powerful thing to yes. do that. To say, I I really actually don't have belief right now. Yeah. And I'm struggling. So Lord help me with this. Yes. It's
1: comforting to surrender. It's that. honest. Yes. And I love
0: it. Okay. So we're gonna talk about some other honest things today, Katie. Yes. And I, I'm excited. Um, our topic is called actually this episode's called the stuff of earth. Yeah. Because um, I mean stuff, because we have a lot of stuff. Um, We're going to talk about the real things that we have in our homes, like books and pots and pans and jeans that you love and can't fit into anymore, (laughs) but you want to keep them, right? Appliances and toys and, you know, how do you keep all this stuff? I am so looking forward to talking about this. Let's just start though with a few basic questions that kind of kick us off. And I I like to start looking always at, what does the Bible say? So I guess the first question I have is, does God even really care about this stuff that we own and keep?
1: Okay, well, the short answer to this is yes. (laughs) God cares about the number of hairs on your head. He cares about when you're angry with your brother. So I would say that this tells us that he cares about both our physical and our spiritual state. Mm -hmm. And as we are going to uncover in today's podcast, our stuff is a very physical and spiritual matter. So, the physical effects of what we own might affect our freedom and our effectiveness in hospitality. Um, God cares about this. It might be that our cluttered home makes it harder to serve our husbands well, causing marital strife. God cares about this. It might be that our family is suffering from the chaos that makes all forms of discipline harder to maintain. God cares about this. Mm. So, some common um, heart issues that may be leading to a cluttered home could be um, selfishness. Are you wanting to store up treasures? God cares about this. Pride. Are you wanting to keep up with all the exciting things that others own? God cares about this. Discontentment. Are you constantly wanting more than what you have so you keep accumulating new things? God cares about this. Or... Maybe you're discontent having to manage a home and your grumbling heart makes you want to neglect the things that you don't see as lovely or fulfilling. God cares about that. Laziness. Are you constantly putting off clearing things out because you'd rather do something more fun with the time that you have? God cares about this. (laughs) There are many, many more sins that play into our cluttered homes, but you get the point. God cares about sin. And if sin is the root of some cluttered areas in your home pray that God reveals this to you and gives you a a desire to root out that sin and the stuff attached to it Hmm. so that you might enjoy the peace of freedom from that stronghold and praise God for the freedom that he provides. Now, perhaps sin isn't the sole thing that is holding you back we understand that. Sure. Um, Sometimes that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, perhaps you have every desire to manage your home and it's and stuff, it's but really you can't figure out where to start or how to do this cohesively or within your budget or within your time availability. Um, so hopefully we can give you some ideas on that later today. But if this is the case, I want you to pray for help to come And to faithfully begin seeking help through your husband, through your friends, maybe people in your church body, and use the internet. It's a tool. Mm. But people are much more practically helpful sometimes. Um, And we'll kind of get to situations like that. Um, But you'll be amazed at how many wonderful ideas are out there. Not all of them are going to suit your needs, though. So don't give up sifting through ideas until you find something that is a good fit for your family's needs. All right, good. You know, I love what you said here, this phrase you kept repeating
0: over and over, that God cares about that. And I I, I love that because it reminds us that God does care about the stuff that we're dealing with. Yes. and And the stuff that we're talking about today. Yes. You know, God cares about actually the stuff in our homes to some degree and what we do with it. So I I really appreciate that because that's a great segue to begin talking about it. Because if we don't talk about what, about God and put him into this situation, then we're just going to keep, you know, filling up our, our homes with things that we think will make us feel good. Yeah. And so we have to figure that out. So that's really good that you brought that up. You know, one of the things that I've heard often, Katie, is that the Bible says, um, and it's actually... True. It the Bible does talk about money being the root of all evil. And I think people often will pull that phrase out though, out of context, and they'll say, Oh, that means we cannot own anything nice.
1: Right. We should try to be poor. Um, that would be more godly. So right, so do right. you think that's true? Um, so no, but I will kind of delve into that a little bit deeper. So um, yes, the Bible does say that money is the root of all evil, and we do know that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Mm. But we also know that Job, King David, Solomon, Abraham, and countless others were given great wealth by God. Mm. And we know that God's the one that gave it. So I believe that God is sovereign. So I know that he was the author of the wealth of these men, but mm. we also see that they are not condemned by scripture for their wealth either. Mm. So, um, but more specifically, we know that God himself restored Job, to Job more wealth than what he had before he suffered. Right. Right. Yeah. And so we're told um, in Job forty two ten, 10, it says, and the Lord restored the f- the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Hmm. Wow. And he was wealthy to start with. Correct. He was wealthy to start with. Um, he had land, he had animals, he had great wealth. So we must take the whole of scripture into account when we're going to answer this question. Um, So, is it true that money is the root of all evil? Yes. We are clearly told this. However, are we also told that God gave wealth to some of his children? Also, yes. Mm. We are told this as well. So, to answer this question, we need to go to the aspect God cares about. Your heart. Mm. Somehow we end up back to our hearts in every single podcast (laughs) episode. We're going to get
0: to the heart for probably most of these questions. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Well,
1: tell me about the heart because it is a big deal. Yes. Yes. Um, So I think a great place to look for this understanding is with GOMER. So, yes, you heard me correctly. Who? Gomer? (laughs) Yes. Um, So, when thinking about how to address the heart issue towards money, just Gomer um, was what kept coming to my mind. Huh. Okay. I would not have thought you'd bring her up in this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was a little weird too. Maybe like, who even is she? Okay. So, for those of you who do not know, Gomer was a prostitute who God called one of his prophets, Hosea, to marry. This was to give an example to the Israelites of what their covenant with God looked like due to their sin. Hmm. So God was faithful, but Israel was not. But why was Israel unfaithful to God? Committing spiritual adultery, as we're told. I think we find the answer in Gomer and in her motivation to sell her body. So in the second part of chapter two of Hosea, verse five, we find, um, for she said, I will go after my lovers who gave me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. But God said, so now we're going to go to Hosea 2 verse 8. God says, and she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain and the wine and mm. the oil and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal, which is a false God. Mm. So money becomes the root of all evil when it becomes our God. Hmm. When money is going to be more powerful in our minds to save us and to satisfy us than God, then we are going to begin to serve money for its promises rather than being master over our money to make it serve God. Hmm, that's a real flip. Yes. Yes. So God wants us to use our money to serve him better. Hmm. Um, so Jesus's parable on the talents would also apply to this question on money. Um, I'm not gonna read it now for the sake of time. You can find it in Matthew twenty five, fourteen through thirty. Um, but but for those of you who don't know, so Jesus is telling a parable about these men. A master is leaving and he's leaving in the possession of three servants these talents. So to and one And a talent is money. Yes, a to Some kind he, of money in the Bible. Yes. Okay. Yep. It's it's um I just didn't want people thinking that yeah. they're
0: like, you know, flipping pizzas or something. Yeah. It's their talent, no, no. right? <laughs> or, yep, <yeah>, like, <laughs> yeah. no, nope.
1: opera singer. No. Yeah. Um, okay. So a talent is a measurement of money. And um, so the master gives like 10 talents to one. Right. Five talents to another, right. I believe, and then two talents yeah. to the yeah. last. Okay. okay. Um, and so to the one who he gives 10, by the time he comes back, this one has multiplied this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has he has made it fruitful. Um And he gives this back to the master. And then you've got the next man who was given five talents, so a little bit less, but he still was fruitful with it. He multiplied what he was given. Um, But to the man who was only given two, in his mind, the master was not a good master. He says, um, you know, he he heard that he reaps where he does not sow. And so what he chose to do was just bury the money, keep it safe, and just give it back Mm -hmm. when the master came. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, what I want to draw from this... And the master was not very happy. No, the master was not happy at all because he said it would have been better if you'd put my money in the bank so that at least interest would have grown on it. Um, But instead the man feared, and it's Mm. interesting too because he feared that the master wasn't good. But isn't that why we don't do things with our possessions is because in our fear, we don't believe God's good, like Gomer, and we have to go and do do it ourselves. ourselves. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So um, what I kind of was drawing from this parable from christ was whatever god gives you monetarily whether it's a great amount or a small amount it can and it should be used to glorify god as long as you remember that all that you have is from god and should be used in submission to god you're going to keep from the evils of money but it is a daily battle so be prepared for that but is it is worth the fight
0: right and it it reminds me um I recently heard someone talk about how valuable confession is Yes, every day in our own personal prayer time. Yes. And this is actually part of it. That's exactly what you gave us a great example yes. of, you know, if you're going to have a personal confession, you're not just going to do these big, broad, like, Lord, forgive me of my sins. No, no you're going to say specific things. Lord, forgive yes. me of coveting this or forgive me of holding onto my money and not using it for your glory, Absolutely. whatever. And I think that's part of what I hear you talking about. It's, it's a daily battle. For sure. But it is, this is how we battle. Yes. Is by confessing our sin. Yes.
1: And come prepared, like you said, like every single day. Yeah. You're going to have new things. Yep. Yeah. For sure.
0: Um, Okay. So, Katie, I know that those are great examples. I would never have picked Gomer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But you know know what? It's like, I'm going there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But I love the story of Gomer and Hosea. Yes. And if you have not read the book of Hosea, you should go like this week and yes. read the book of Hosea yes because it is exactly what you said it is ex- it shows God's great love and mercy yes and for those of us who which is all of us who are just filthy sinners yes. And I love that. Okay, so, but what else does the Bible say about money? And, and or I should say, the stuff of earth, you know, because like we, we got to have laundry, you know, yeah. folded. We've got to buy, you know, oil at the yep. store, you know, all those things. I don't and know why good, I picked
1: oil, but anyway. <laughs> yep, and good luck trying to avoid stuff in a materialistic yeah. culture. It's yes. not going to happen. Yeah. So. You just can't walk past the three and $5 section at Target, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, I got to focus. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, well, I want to start with a couple of verses for this one. So first, I'm going to read from Matthew 6:19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thief does not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hmm, there's that heart word again. Yep. Exactly, and then um, the next verse I want to read is First John two fifteen through seventeen. It says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Mm. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its de- along with its desires." but whoever does the will of God abides forever."
0: Hmm.
1: So this really relates back to the point that we were making about the love of money. God is warning us against the dangers and the fruitlessness of loving things. They pass away, they have no power to save you, but he is also giving us such a promise in himself. And he invites us to have our f- our fill of him and all of his goodness, which is better than any thing, That you love. Hmm. So what will your response to God be if your home burns down? You know, are you going to question his goodness because your things were eaten by fire? Or will you mourn that loss with deeper joy and peace, knowing that God has secured something better for you that cannot be taken by a house fire? Hmm. And that's a really big example. So I'm going to make this a little bit smaller scale because I personally have never gone through a house fire. Right. Me either. Right. So a lot of us have not. So I want to dial that back a little bit, um, but also just you know because a house fire is not only rare, but it's just a lot to process. So let's just say that you total a new car or someone spells wine on that new rug that you spent a couple hundred dollars on. Or your child accidentally breaks that family heirloom. Or you lose your favorite ring. Yes. (laughs) That happened to me. (laughs) Me too. Oh, no. (laughs) I had just
0: put sunscreen all over my kids when they were little. And I had a ring from my mom that came from my (sighs) grandmother. And I put sunscreen on. And then we were playing beach ball in the water. And it just I felt it go right off. And I remember feeling, oh, it was so sad. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy because we lost mine on a beach too. Yeah, I think. So here's, here's my side little warning. Take your rings
1: off at the beach. Well, so that's actually what happened. <laughs> Aaron says, and Aaron's my husband, um, he says, all right, just hand me the rings and I'll go put them right. in the backpack really quick. And he dropped one. Oh, no. And we know right where he dropped it, but we just never yep. found it. Yeah. So maybe yeah. someday. Yes. And that was a family heirloom yeah. as well. It happens. So apparently, so grandma's can, rings get lost yes, at the beach. Yes, and I
0: can relate. I yes. think that's the, the point. Like we, Most everybody listening can relate to this
1: idea yes. of something like that. Absolutely. So all of our lives, we're going to be called to lose things that we love. So I want you to think about that. You are going to be called to lose things that Mm. you love. And while it is good, and God is pleased to give us things to delight in, He does not intend us to lose our joy in Him when those things pass away. Mm. So enjoy your stuff. It's a gift from your Heavenly Father, and He loves you. Feel loved and be thankful for His goodness toward you, but do not measure God's goodness by what you obtain or lose. Which is where the temptation really is.
0: Yeah. I heard somebody say temp- one time that um, the stuff that we have of earth is stuff that
1: God gave us to actually use up. Yes. Oh, that's good. That is really good, actually. Because we do, we're kind of like tempted to hoard it yep. all up and keep yep. it safe forever. Yep. So um, so I'm actually going to look back at Job again um, and take us back to his story. Yes. Yep. So immediately after Job hears of the death of all of his children, whom he loves, and he had several children, um, this is his response. So from Job 1, 20 through 22, we read, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And here's what he says. Um, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Hmm. Can you imagine losing a child? Um, Not to make people go into like irrational fears here, but this is so much more precious than a house. Mm. Or a ring. Yep, or a ring or everything that is contained contained in that house. Um, Yet Job knew that the children that God had given to him were not only a gift, but they belonged to God and they Mm. did not belong to Job. And he also saw that any time with Job's children was an undeserved gift from God. And it was evidence of God's goodness. Mm. God's goodness wasn't gone because the children were gone and the children were no longer, a or the children did not become a curse just because their lives were cut short. Right, right. So, um, you know, God was not a curse to Job in the face of crushing loss. Our desires should be to know that God is good and that we remember this in times of pain. Um, Ask God to make you love and trust him like this and to cultivate a heart that trusts God, and you will be blessed in times of trial by these truths to comfort your heart. But by all means, delight in your stuff. It is an act of praise and worship to God. Let it make you remember God's loving kindness toward you, but let the stuff lead you to treasure God and not the stuff. Hmm, That's good. That's really good to kind of think through and—
0: I love how you let us through Job's story, particularly. Yeah, um, it's another a great book to read. Great story. Yes. Uh, it gets a little hard there in the middle to read. <laughs> it does. I think it's realistic with life, though. Right, it is. But you are so right about the idea that we should let our stuff lead, um, lead us to God, and not yeah. lead us to like wanting more stuff. Yes. Or to, you know, loving the stuff. We should right. be loving God. That's right. That's really, really helpful. Okay. So, let now that we've sort of, we sort of have talked about how it's okay to have stuff. Yeah. God gives it to us. He right. gives wealth to some people and we all really have wealth at different levels. Right. And if you're listening and you're living in America like Katie and I are, we're actually probably one of the most wealthy countries yes. in the world.
1: Even if you are poor. Yeah. You are still wealthy. Yes. Compared
0: to Right, ninety, right, what, it's like ninety percent. Right, in the third world countries, and yes. so um, it is really all you know, realistic, not realistic. What's the word? I'm relative, relative. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was a reword. Okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about money and let's view it in a biblical way. How how do we do that? Like, you know, and should we budget our money
1: if God gives it to us? Should we actually budget? Right. Okay, so. I'm sorry, all these questions are so loaded and they're so good. And I know, each one could be yes. its own podcast, but...
0: Exactly. And yep. so I, let me remind everybody listening that we are just touching on some of yeah. the topics today. Yes. We would never be able to cover everything. No. And Katie and I are both talkers. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sure this is not going to be a short episode. However,
1: <laughs> no. we're not going to cover it all. Right. Yeah. Correct. Okay. We're not. We're just going to try and get to the heart of it and give you kind of the meat. Yep. Um, the details. We'll throw and in think, a couple. And think and pray. Yes. Yep. Okay. So how does God view money through the Bible? Okay. So I know that we've already covered a lot of biblical ways to view money in our previous questions, um, but now I want to kind of mix the practical with the spiritual. So we all have money. We know that we want to keep it in its right place in our hearts before God, but now what are we going to do? Right. God wants us to be fruitful stewards in all areas of our lives, including money. But so often we want to focus on being fruitful with money and we forget that God brings fruitfulness from all aspects Mm. of his people's lives. So what is the point of being fruitful? Well, I think it can be summed up in avoiding sin, keeping an eternal focus on God's will over our own wills, and worshipfully delighting in God. Just a couple easy things. Yeah, just (laughs) really simple. Like I said, we're keeping this podcast really simple. Um, So budgeting in some capacity is necessary in order to be a good steward of god's money Mm, true so he has certain things that he's going to require of you as a wife and a mother or a friend yep or a friend or maybe you're a college student or maybe you're at home still but he has requirements for you with your money to be fruitful and he also has requirements if you're married for your husband Mm -hmm. so um, money is a tool that can aid you in doing the things that God has called you to. But if you are not managing it, you are likely to squander it or hoard it up. And in either case, it is rendered fruitless.
0: Hmm. I had a friend one time say, her husband was very, very frugal. Yeah. And they, they didn't fix up anything in their house and they lived yeah. very frugally and he was very concerned about money. And she said, as soon as we retire, um, I'm hoping we're gonna live, you know, live crazy because right. all we're doing is saving for retirement that's oh, like all they
1: did yep and then you just better you hope that you don't never die before retirement yep, because they never used it yeah it's, yep it's rendered fruitless so um, you know budget so that you can provide your for your family mm. and also to bless others and to care for their needs through hospitality and other specific ways um, and so that you can enjoy your money in a way that does not steal from your other responsibilities. So, um, you know, what do I mean by this? Well, let's say you want to do more fun things as a family, but you're being a poor steward of your money. So you may be using more in one area. And then when you couple that with what you're spend- spending on family fun, you find that you no longer have anything left for hospitality. Or, you know, perhaps you're going to brainstorm family fund in a lower price point in order to maintain some funds for hospitality but none of this can be gauged without some sort of a budget. Sure. Yeah. Right. So a budget, You think of it as like your map that helps you to use your money to get to a desired lo- destination. Not a jail that keeps no. you in a box. No, which if we get too focused on money, that's always a temptation. Yep. So I'm glad yep. that you pointed that out. Um, so I want you to plot out all the costs along the way that are necessary. And then make sure you budget enough to accomplish your goals or, along your route. So this is going to look different in different seasons. Yep, sure. And that's okay. Um, maybe you don't need to account for every dollar. Maybe you do. So this is actually going to be really based on your means and your personal use of those means. Um, each person uses money differently and everyone has different temptations and everyone has different responsibilities. So identify the threats to using your money to glorify God and then go after those areas. Mm, I, I
0: also love that you talked about um, other people in your life. Cause that can be a really great thing is to have yeah. people to number one, talk to yes. And number two, to help you hold you accountable.
1: Yes. Yep. Having accountability partners, I think goes so far. Yeah. And, and obviously that's how God designed us. Yep. That's how he designed the We're body. very relational. Yeah. Yes. So take hold of the people around you that are there to help you be more fruitful. Yeah. And they want to help. Um, so many of us are familiar with the parable of the tenants, Okay, so, not the talents, the tenants. No, yeah, no. These are people, not money. Okay. Okay. So, this is the parable of the tenants. Um, so Jesus says in Matthew twenty-one thirty-three, he says, "Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard, and he put a fence around it, and he dug a wine press in it, and built a tower, and leased it to the tenants, and he went into another country." Now the greater meaning of this parable was to prophesy the killing of the son of God by the men who killed the prophets but I want to focus on the fact that we are all tenants either godly tenants or mm. wicked tenants. Hmm. So do we really think that we are tenants in God's kingdom that's you know my first question or do we often get deceived into believing that this is our tiny kingdom here in Toledo Ohio or wherever you're wherever you're listening from right, right. now and that we are the masters or worse yet, that we could steal from God and keep him out of the vineyard that we are tending. Mm. So do we believe that anything that we give to God is some benevolent, selfless act on our part worthy to be praised? If only we could remember that we are merely the stewards of God's possessions and we should be using them the way that he wants them used. Hmm. That's really powerful to think that we are the stewards of God's possessions. Yes, because that's not the way that it's that we all think. Right, right. I heard someone say once that um, God's children are given to us, and they're mm-hmm. not ours, and we need mm-hmm. to raise them the way that he wants them raised because mm-hmm. they're his children. Um, and I kind of thought of that when I was preparing for this. It's like, oh, it's not just the children. Right. Um, everything, he owns the cattle on a thousand yep. hills. So everything yep. is his. We are stewards of it. And so what we do with it is really reflective of, you know, are Our, we stealing from God? Yep. Or are we... Obeying God. Yeah, that's reflective of our heart again. (laughs) Yes. So instead of believing that we're giving something to God when we give some of our money away, we should believe that God owns, like I said, the cattle on a thousand hills. So this includes our money. And we need to seek to remember that we are stewards and not lords over our possessions. Mm. So use this truth to help you budget your money. Do not overthink it. I'm an Mm. overthinker. I don't know about you, Julie. Um, Yes. Yes. (laughs) Just remember to set aside some to bless your family with joyful gifts as your Heavenly Father does with you, Mm -hmm. but also be generous with others. So, you know, you were talking about the friend who they always saved up everything, but then you're probably afraid to be generous with others as well. And, um, you know, be diligent to address the needs of your family in the process. So like doing your house repairs, that'd be a great example. Um, You know, if your kids need new shoes, um, be prepared to take care of the needs of your family as well. So, budget to be able to obey God, um, budget to avoid the sins that so easily ensnare, and to avoid the things that hinder us from using our money to bless others. Hmm. Okay, that's good because it help, it's helpful to kind of think through that because our, I love
0: how you said our budget shouldn't, it isn't a jail. I mean, no. I said it could be a jail. It, it's felt at times like right. that to me, but it's really a roadmap. Yeah, which I, I loved that analogy. Yeah, that's very freeing to realize that this is a roadmap to glorify God. Yes, it's just another avenue, yep. right? And it could be an alleyway today, or it could be like a major highway or yes. whatever. It's just the roadmap yes. that God gives us.
1: And I actually was just thinking about this while you're talking. Um, you know, I was thinking about the friend, and they had they did have a roadmap. You know, they were they were ready for yep. retirement, but um, that is that's like another temptation. So when you think about this roadmap. Think about using your money um, to, to do what God has called right. you to without fear, Yeah. right? So like um, he talks about how he provides for us right. and how he provides for the birds. And if he does this for the birds, how much more is he going to do for you? Yep. Well, um, I don't think that if we're hanging on to all of our money and we're terrified to spend right. it, that we're really trusting God. <laughs> right. So right. use the money. Right. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but... Well, no, that's really important. And I think
0: that's helpful to think about because yeah. we can all of a sudden... God has actually written the map. Right. And and the, the where we're going to end up, you know, our destination is is heaven and is to bring yes. glory and honor to God. But we can make our destination our own selves. Yes, absolutely. And that's what you're saying is we shouldn't write the map so that it blesses us. We should write the map right. so it honors God.
1: Yes. And then don't be afraid because um, God's going to provide. Yeah.
0: Okay, so so that is a sin area to, yes. to be focused so much on this money that it yeah. becomes your God, so to speak, or that you are all about what you want to do with it. Yes. But what are some other areas of sin that we might struggle with, with all this stuff that we have?
1: Yeah, okay. So I tried to think of ones that were just like most um, likely to kind of hit home for a lot of us. Um, so since we already discussed some specific sins surrounding money, And surrounding our stuff. I'm going to try to move on to just a handful of sins to keep in mind. Um, Okay. So the goal of talking about sin, I just want to kind of lay this out there. Mm -hmm. So the goal of talking about sin is to flee from anything that might ensnare us. Mm. Um, Remember that God is so good to warn us of sin because he does not want us to live in death. Mm. He loves us. He wants us to be free. Okay, so instead of feeling beat down by the discussion of sin, because I know that's a temptation in our culture. And
0: and there's in the evangelical
1: church across America, we do not talk about sin. Yes. So, yep. So try to shift your perspective to seeing God's commands as the steps to life and joy and peace and freedom. So these are all things that we're desperately seeking. You know, you see that everywhere you turn. So um, sin may appear to give us those things, but it actually prevents them. And that's why God hates sin. He does not hate you. He hates sin, Mm -hmm. and it is, in fact, seeking to kill his precious children, and a good father is always going to go after the thing that is seeking to kill his children, Mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about sin, I just wanted to lay that out there. Um, God is good to hate sin. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. So now that we've established that, what are some common sins that are ensnaring us as we steward an overwhelming amount of things in this materialistic world? So things are always coming into our homes. I know this is true for every single one of you. People give us things. Our yes. children bring things home. Yes. <laughs> sometimes living things. Um, we accumulate things. Each member of our household accumulating things in one house quickly becomes overwhelming. Yes. Some seasons will bring more things than others. And so when this happens, we need to steward it. Yeah, like when you have little kids... There's just a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. And And don't get too attached to all of it.
0: Like, maybe just pick a a couple. Yeah. Well, I remember having a lot. My kids are grown, and there's less stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Now the stuff looks different. Yeah. It's
1: smaller, but there's still a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay, so first, before you even own the stuff, you need to be asking, should I own this stuff? Hmm. You know, um, women, we actually have quite a viral reputation for shopping. So why is this? What is the root of your personal shopping? You know, are we discontent? Are we selfish? Are we gluttonous for the stuff that we're buying? Hmm. Are we just scatterbrained so that we keep buying the same things because we can't find the ones that we already have? Hmm. Okay, so identify the heart behind each purchase. Again, this is going to be a daily battle. So you need to take baby steps. You are not going to change it all in one day. Um, But is it selfishly for you? You know, is it selfishly to spoil your kids? Is it to keep up with others? And ultimately, you know, is this going to bless or harm your budget? And is this going to bless or harm your vision to serve your family and to serve the church well? Mm. Or is this going to squander your means? So these are all questions you need to be asking.
0: Those are good. Those make me... You know, those are things we should be thinking about.
1: Yes. Really often. Yes. And we go shopping often. So, yeah. you know, um, I know it's hard to keep this at the forefront of your mind every time, but um, we all do our online, our window shopping. So that would be a great yeah. time to be asking these questions. Yeah. Um, you know, a quote that really hit me recently was um, from a girl on Instagram. It's called Feminine, Not Feminist. Mm. And what she said was, it is hard to convince a grateful person that accumulating more things will make them happy. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, that really hit home for me. So evaluate your heart. Ask, why do you want these things that you're buying? And then submit your desires to Christ so that you may have freedom and joy in your purchases. Okay, so now what do we do with the stuff that we already have? You know, some of us can't even imagine throwing it away. Some of, some of us can't wait to throw it away. <laughs> right. you know, So let's start with those who struggle to let go of this stuff. All right. So let's start by identifying your heart again. We're just going to keep going back to this heart issue. Right, right. I feel like that's the best place to really make progress. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. It's the root cause. So sentimentality is not always a bad thing. Okay. It really can be a good thing, but it can actually take over quickly and it can make us its slave. Yes. So guilt and shame and just paralyzing confusion can surround sorting through mementos, right? Yeah, I mean, we've all felt that, right? And that's where the there's a
0: TV show called Hoarders. Yes. And that's what they do. They they yep. cannot they cannot let go of right. things that really don't matter, but right. they have some connection.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I know it's so easy for us to think we're not like that. Yeah. But if we really went, you know, open the garage or the attic, we'd be like, oh, there's a lot of stuff. Yes. Yep. So grab your husband or grab a good friend that will help you decide what to keep or Mm -hmm. toss. Okay. This is, they are such a big help. Sometimes you just need someone there in the moment to be like, you don't need that. Right. Um, Right. And let them challenge you, you know, let them challenge you on why you want to keep it and then be willing to trust their perspective. You know, set aside a planned time to do this, and prepare your heart beforehand to be Mm -hmm. letting go, because you need to let go. (laughs) I've heard of um, have a box that you put it in. Yes, and then give
0: yourself a little bit of time to think through, because I think in the moment it's hard to make the decision. Yeah, and you feel concerned about putting it in the garbage or the goodwill box. Yes, but putting it aside for a month and then coming back, you're like, yeah, you know what? I really don't need those hunting magazines yes. that have been in my garage for whatever, yep. you know, or whatever they are.
1: Yep. And I, you know, I didn't even make decisions, I feel like, that fast. Um, I mean, sometimes I can, but yeah. like going through the garage once a year. Yes. If yes. you hung on to it last year, you might be ready to throw it away this year. Yeah. So. And you might realize, oh, I never used those rollerblades this yeah. whole past year. Yeah. And no one's going to use them. Right. So I'm going to donate them. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, yep, having a space for things that you want to keep and that you're not sure about yet, that's a great tip. Um, Also, you know, determine a space for what you will keep and then only keep what fits in that space. Oh. That might be kind of hard. Um, I think Julie's idea to have this separate, like, overflow box, that's a really good idea. (laughs) So maybe you have, like, the space of things you want to keep and then you also have, like, you're slightly not as committed to throwing it away. So, all right. Um, so this is going to help you to prioritize. Okay, so a practical plan would be to start by tossing what is easy and yeah. clearly not wanted, right? Um, then pile things by importance, and as you run out of space, start nixing the things that are the lowest on your keep list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes when you're forced to only choose, you know, ten or twenty right. things, right? You realize how much less you care about some other things in that pile. Yeah. That's for sure. Yep. So um, just remember the point of this whole thing was that you can't keep all of it and that you are preparing to let go of some of the things that you love. And then that's okay. Yeah. Um, So if you want, you know, and some other ideas for keeping things, um, I've had some moms tell me that they keep a box for each kid. So just a small mm-hmm. box, and then they add small tokens over the years. So it yep. might be, you know, the pacifier clip, or maybe you cut a piece of a blanket because it's right. too bulky to fit in there. Um, whatever it is, just tokens over the years. And then um, something that I've actually been really convicted of, because there's a lot of guilt around getting rid of stuff. Yes. Um, so remember that God does not actually intend for you to keep everything, and that there is actually no sin in letting possessions become memories. That's okay. Right. Right. Um, also be respectful of the things that your husband loves in the same way that you would respect your own things. So if you're going through that garage and you're finding that it's really easy to throw away all his stuff, but you're kind of keeping all your stuff, don't do this. Right. This is not, um, this is not loving. (laughs) Right. So it's always easier and it's tempting to toss the treasures of other, other family members before our own. So, um, Prepare yourself also to be selfless. Mm-hmm.
0: Even our kids. Yeah, I mean, our kids have things that they love, yes. and I can think of times that I've thrown something out, and they were they dug it back out of the yep. garbage. You yep. know, but I think the idea of here's your space. Yes keep what will fit in this space, whether it's under the bed in three boxes or a tub that's in the attic. This is what you get to keep. And then I find that the things I want to keep for them, my kids don't actually care about. Yes. The things they want to keep are different.
1: Yes. Yeah. So interesting. So, yep. So what Julie is talking about, like this is really helpful to keep in mind. What might seem obvious for you to throw away might be just as important to your child Mm -hmm. or your husband as, you know, that old CD that you want to keep, that you have not listened to in five years. Yeah, I don't even own a CD player, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I do either, but I do own CDs, and for some reason, I don't want to get rid of them. They're on Spotify. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, um, another really great idea that I have seen recently, um, you can either... Purchase, there's like these books that you can purchase to like store all of your kids artwork in and it's kind of like chat books or like oh sure all um, oh, they make a fly. photo of yes. yes yep and so you just like scan in the pictures of your kids artwork and it could be anything it could be like a clay thing that they created or just you know something they scribbled um, and then you can put all that into an like a little photo album which I think is really fun for kids mm-hmm. because they're really not going to go and like see all that artwork maybe mm-hmm. maybe once when they're like 32, and right. Grandma pulls it all out. Right. But um, for the most part, yeah, like it's going to get way more love if you just put that into one of these photo albums. Um, I saw before that a woman took all her kids' art projects from school and spread them all over
0: the floor and then climbed up on a ladder and took a photo of all oh, of I them. I love that. And that's it. And then she threw them
1: away. That is so smart. <laughs> and then she was There's so done. many art creations. And yeah. so, I mean, I'm not really like the artsy mom, so it's a little bit easier for me to throw that okay. stuff away. Okay. But But if I take pictures, then I know I can keep yeah. it for my kids. Yeah. Um and then maybe like I know some moms will just like keep a few things out and it's like okay, you can keep these out for a month. Yeah. And then we're going to throw them away.
0: And then the other thing Having to do with art projects because yes. I've had a lot of art projects in my house. I feel like this is a major source of clutter. Yes, so. and I think it is. Um, I this was so helpful to me, and I read this on a blog years ago. Every child for for a little while, uh, a couple, particularly my girls, they had a scrapbook like a nine or twelve by twelve scrapbook that okay. you could, with the sleeves in it, and they would just keep it with all their pictures in it. I love that. And then they had to decide what when to, to throw f- and when to keep. Oh, that's so smart. And it was in a little book and it kept they kept it in their art area. I love that. And that was really helpful. Okay, then, ladies, that's a great idea. There
1: yeah. you go. Buy a cheapo scrapbook and you're good. Yes. Yep. All right. So, um so we've already kind of gone over a lot of really good ideas. Um, but they do help you, you know, you figure out what's the best thing. Like everybody's yeah. got to have their thing. Yes. Their way to do it. Yep. Every family's going to be different. So, we're going to just toss out a bunch of ideas today and yeah really, um, you know, be shrewd, pick the ones that really would work really mm-hmm. well for your family. Um, and the photo album idea does not only apply to artwork. I was thinking about this and it's like, okay, say you find some really, really cool mementos from, you know, from high school and say you have a lot of them and it's just not, um, logical to keep all of those. Mm. You could take pictures of some and just keep a couple that you like really want to yep. be able to touch and feel, but Um, just take a lot of pictures so that your kids can like look through these old, you know, scrapbooks, like you were saying, um, of cool. It's a great idea. Yes. So, okay. So we've covered the artwork, covered, you know, the idea of photo albums for really just anything that is sentimental that you don't want to keep in your storage space. Um, I will add that I have not actually done all of these ideas personally. Um, so I'm not doing all of this. I do not expect you all to do all of this. No, Um, but I've actually not even gotten too far into the artwork phase of parenting, but these are just ideas I have tucked away. So maybe you're a young mom, or you don't even have kids yet, just you know, file these away somewhere. Sure, sure. Um, another reason that we hoard up possessions that I have found is that we find them valuable and we just don't want to part with them. We have like this, just in case we need them someday type of mentality, but then oftentimes we find out that we never ended up needing them, and then nobody else gets to use them either. Or maybe we feel more fulfilled in possessing them. Hmm. So, um, you know, these are just not good reasons to hang on to things. But, you know, much like the pointlessness of storing up possessions in the tombs of the Egyptian pharaohs, you know, are you storing up possessions in your attic that Mm -hmm. we can never use? Um, But this also means that they can't bless other people around you who could use them now, you know? So identify if greediness is at play or maybe it's pride or maybe it's fear of just needing something in the future and so you're scared if you get rid of it now it's you know you're going to need it down the road um but then let go of those sins and make them submit to Christ hmm so yeah and it's interesting the egyptians i know this
0: they would store that stuff in the tombs yeah. because they thought they were going to take it to the afterlife right
1: but like, i feel like there's like a little bit of us that forgets that yeah. like we know we would never say no. we could take it with us to heaven but Right. We really want to take it all the way to the edge. Yes. Yes. So give it. Yes. So, um, you know, this all kind of goes back to God wanting you to be generous. You know, maybe you don't have the money to, get, to give to others, but maybe you have things that you're not using that would meet other people's needs. Mm-hmm. So it always brings me so much joy to give away possessions that I don't need. And it's a lot easier to get rid of it when you're giving it to someone who needs it, especially because a lot of the things we hang on to, um, some of them are actually nice things. We just... Don't have need for them ourselves, so mm-hmm. um, it can be a really big blessing to others. Um, it always, you know, amazes me how God seems to line up my things to toss list with a friend's need to buy list. Mm. You know, I've we went through our garage and we had all these wedding gifts that like we had just not even used. We've been married for like five years, and they were nice, so we wa- were really tempted to keep them. But um, I had a friend looking for a spice rack, mm. and I had this unopened gorgeous spice rack, and I did not know this before I got married but I was not going to fill a spice, like those little spice things. That's just, that's not me. So, And it was your friend. Yeah. And it was like exactly when we're cleaning out our garage, we've had this for five years. And then all of a sudden I find out, oh, my friend needs that. And it's like, oh, it's perfect. And there's always um,
0: young adults, (laughs) you know, getting married or starting off life or maybe somebody moving out on their own for the first time. Yeah. And even though it may not be their very favorite table set. (laughs) Yeah.
1: They might be thankful to have it, you know? Yeah. So... Or I just, like, we got, like, three or four sets of Pyrex for, like, everything. Oh, yeah. And when we happened to be going through it, it was, like, when my cousin and my brother were just, like, yeah. I, I don't know if they had moved out at the same time. I don't know that it was necessarily like that, but they both needed Pyrex. Like, yep. Like, here or, you go. Yep, yep. Or an extra crock pot. Yep. Um, I don't think I bought you Pyrex for your wedding. That yeah. makes me wonder. You no, know, no. <laughs> I'm not I kept your set. Okay. okay thank, thank you. You're the one I kept. Um, and you know what? You like Zach and Rebecca. So. That's right. That's okay. And, That's yeah. good. <laughs> All right. So what I think is really amazing is that God is using our possessions to provide for others when they no longer provide for us. And um, I just think it's really cool to see God's hand and how He is providing for His children. Mm-hmm. From the things that were in our home that we're not providing for us, mm. um, so yeah, go through your stuff, start giving it away, and see how amazing God works all those little details together. Mm-hmm. Um, and fear is fueling your stockpile. Um, remember that God promises to provide for you at the time of your need, mm. so that you do not have to store things up for a rainy day, if you will. So some stocking is wise, and some is practical. But grab your husband or that good friend again and um, have them help you evaluate if you're practically stocking up or if you're fearfully stocking up.
0: Or if you're just stocking up because everyone else is doing it and so you feel compelled to buy whatever, you know. I mean, I always think to myself about whether or not I'm going to even use it. That's what my husband always says about going to Costco. Like, I don't care if you buy the big, gigantic thing of that item. Yeah. But are you actually going to use it? Correct. Or are you just thinking, oh, I need this big thing, you know? Yep, exactly. You know, 14 boxes of pasta. Like, are you
1: really going to use all those? It's going to take you a while. Right. I don't know. Yes. Although I feel like pastas want to maybe get the big thing of pasta, (laughs) but like... Yeah,
0: like salt. Yeah. Do we need that three containers of salt all wrapped together? Probably not. Yeah.
1: So there's definitely a lot to say on these topics, but we have to keep moving. So hopefully you got some inspiration and some ideas from all of this. Um, Now for the people who want to get rid of things, but they are held back. So, you know, maybe it's laziness that's holding you back. Maybe it's just apathy that stops you from starting the work maybe you're overwhelmed and you cannot figure out how to start. So you just don't. Maybe like me, you just need storage bins for the stuff that you are organizing and you're minimizing and you just don't want to spend $40. So you kind of just put it off and then it Mm -hmm. snowballs into chaos. So in my case, my sin would be that I don't like to spend money even on things that we need. Like your your friend that was like not doing repairs. I do that to um, a a smaller scale but I definitely do that Um, so this is going to be on the sin list I do not need to be afraid to spend my money to serve Mm -hmm. my family right Right. Um, so remember that money and things are to be tools to serve God so you don't need to be afraid to use the money that God gave you to serve your family so do not fear Mm. or to serve so oh just do this whole paragraph again. I feel like I kind of improv a little. and then Sure. Made just it go for it. D- yeah. So maybe laziness or apathy is what stops you from starting the work. You know, maybe you're overwhelmed and you can't figure out how to start. So you just don't. Mm. Maybe like me, you just need storage bins for the stuff that you're going to organize and you just don't want to spend $40. So you mm. put it off and then it snowball, snowballs into chaos. You know, in my case, I don't like to spend money even on the things that we need. Um, So because I just don't like spending money, this is going to be on the sin list. (laughs) Um, Because remember, money and the things that we have are tools to serve God. So I shouldn't be, you know, fearing serving God and serving my family with that $40. Um, So, and neither should you, you know, use the money that God gave you to serve your family and not to serve fear. So whatever the reason, you know you need to identify it. it helps to identify it to your husband or a godly friend who may help spur you on to do what you do not want to start. Hmm. You know they might actually have ideas for how you can get started and they might even offer to help out. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we said this earlier, but like the body is made to help us in these ways. so do not sit alone paralyzed over the work before you. Brainstorm it with others. Get started. Feed off their energy. Mm -hmm. You will never regret that work, no matter how intimidating it is to start. And, you know, um, don't start on a big
0: project. Yeah. Like, I think starting, if you're going to, like, go through something, organize, you're going to, you know, pare down, you know, your supply of, I don't know, baking dishes, then you need to kind of go slow. Yeah. And you need to kind of look at it and start with something small. Yeah. You know, so maybe it's you pick every week, a different area that you're going to work on. Yeah. And, or this month I'm going to focus on just getting the garage organized and cleaned, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. Because I think we often go, oh, I got to organize my whole house. And then we no. never start. No, you, I mean, honestly, the garage is almost one of those. But, <laughs> but if you plan that one ahead of time. Yeah. That's usually a family project. I really think the garage needs to get organized like every year. I, know I agree. know nobody wants to hear that. But. I agree. I'm with you on that, girl. Yep. So I just, uh. And actually,
0: for me, it ends up being a couple of times a year because it seems like it's the spring and then the fall. But yeah, actually,
1: we're going to talk about that in a little
0: bit. All right. Yeah. So, you know, as we talk about money, we have to talk about what to buy and what not to buy, which makes me think that we have to talk about wants versus needs. Yeah. Because there are things we need, you know, I mean, we don't really need pasta, but but um, we do need to eat. Right. And we don't really, so we don't need salmon, but we do need to eat. Yeah. I, I mean, so maybe I like you do need salmon. pasta. Right. But you need salmon. something, yeah. right? And you don't need to have the name brand clothing, but you right. do need clothes. So how do we figure out,
1: is it, you know, what we've got there? How do we figure out what what are needs and what our wants? So this is tricky because in the culture that we live in, many of us like to call ourselves poor. Um, but what we really mean is that is that we don't have as much as the many people who along with us. Make up like the wealthiest people in the world. Mm. Um, I want to say I—I mean, some of you guys probably know the exact number, um, but I want to say that in the U.S. we make up like the top two percent of the wealthy people in the world, mm. or something that would close make to that.
0: That sounds right. I mean, I don't know, but we're we're definitely wealthy. Yes.
1: Yeah. And we are a part of a very small percentage yes. at the top. yes yeah. yeah. So, um, so while poor people who are living in shacks right now. With dirt floors, they're finding ways to come together and fellowship and serve others and share their food. So why are we held back because we don't have enough chairs, or maybe we don't we don't feel like we have a large enough sofa, or maybe we don't have enough bowls or plates or flatware? Maybe our home feels too small or too unfinished. Hmm. You know, I have personally thought all of these things actually um, because I'm comparing my needs. To the wealthy people around me, and I'm mm. not taking into to account how the rest of Christ's church is accomplishing so much more with mm. so much less. Around the world. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So if this is the case, you know, I'm really catering to the expectations of the other wealthy people in my culture, and I am not catering to God's expectations. And honestly, most of the people around me don't even have these expectations. It's really just me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so this brings us to a big problem standing in the way of us determining what is a need versus what is a want. Hmm. So, you know, honestly, um, most of what all of us own are wants. And that's not actually bad. You know, sometimes we will buy lovely artisan tea to serve our guests, or maybe we're going to buy fancy coffee mugs or a beautiful serving plate to make the people who enter into our home feel celebrated and cherished. Hmm. Or maybe we just want to pamper our guests And, um, you know, be a retreat and a place to rest for them. Um, Sometimes we might buy a new sofa to make small group a little more comfortable in our home. Sometimes we might spend money on board games just to enjoy them with friends and family that we love. You know, so in many ways, none of these things are actually needs. And yet, they are helpful and they serve to glorify God. Hmm. So not all of the wants in our home are going to serve to bless guests, And some items will be exclusively to bless your husband or your children who live there or your roommates if you're in college. Sure. Um, But what I'm trying to drive home is that spending money on things that you do not need for the purpose of serving or blessing others can absolutely be to the glory of God. He is generous with us, and so it is good for you to be generous within your home. Just like even when you make a meal for someone. Yes. Yep. I mean, or make a make
0: a meal and have people over. Yes. We can certainly make sloppy joes. And I'm not knocking sloppy joes, right. don't get me wrong. They're right. fine and there's a place for sloppy joes. Right. But we also can get pot roast now and then. Yep. It's a Absolutely. blessing to others. Yep. Or hey, right now we could, you know, make eggs. Yes. You know, <laughs> How expensive yep. they are. But yep. like I think that's a good point that we we should be generous.
1: Yes. Um, I think it was Doug Wilson around Christmas time was talking about you know, spending a little more than what feels wise or comfortable in the celebration of Christ. Right. Um, And I know, you know, Christmas and Easter, these are like really big times to celebrate Christ. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so great to just like go a little extra. Yeah, yeah. Just for the purpose of glorifying God. But also you can do that every day. Like you can do that when you have people over. Um, That doesn't mean that you're always going to spend more than you should. Um, Right, But that mindset of like not being afraid to spend a little bit more, um, just because we're celebrating the people in our home, we're celebrating the Lord and we're getting together in fellowship.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of also, I heard recently, to s- to spend money on things that are experiences with yes. your family over ex- over always spending money on stuff. Yes. Now, both are important, yes. but experiences are something you will always remember, Yes, you know, as you sit around with your family.
1: Absolutely. And I think those really, like, they bless the family and bring them closer together where stuff sometimes can separate you. Yeah, for sure. Not always, but... Okay, so another thing that I was thinking about when we were talking, you know, when I'm thinking about this question was, um, I have this prayer journal, and the woman who wrote the prayer journal suggests to pray for things within God's will so that it will help us desire God's will and be focused on that. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, that... That was kind of hard for me to understand so her example became really helpful um so her personal example was that they were actually praying for a home and they you know it's very easy to pray for your your dream home and for everything that you want in a dream home in a dream home so instead of praying selfishly as she was naturally inclined to do she decided to begin praying for the home um with the mindset of like how they could be serving god hmm. with the home And that really kept her perspective on if God says no to all of my desires, that's still good. Right. Because the home is for serving him and for serving his people. So as she was praying, you know, sure, she wanted to include things that she wanted, but ultimately um, she was asking God to let them serve him with their space. You know, so maybe that is a large kitchen, maybe that is a pool. Um, But she knew that whatever. Home God gave was the exact one that they needed to serve him, and it was exactly what they needed to serve well, um, even if it had none of the things that she was looking for. But praying in this way actually prepared her heart to be eternally focused and not, you know, physically focused. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, when we are praying to be using our things to serve God, it just totally changes our relationship and it um, so oftentimes really changes our desire as well. Mm-hmm. So, the focus is then on being ready to open and share your home to further the kingdom and not on how it's going to make you feel. Mm. Um, so, I found that really helpful. Um, I know it, that this isn't exactly answering the problem of all the items in your home or all the items on your shopping list, but it is a principle that is going to help give you perspective. Mm. So, um, that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, each family. Uh, the, I think what makes this podcast so difficult is that like each family has different stuff. You know, they have different needs. They have got different space. They have different sins. They have different husbands with different visions for their families. Um, you know, you're in different phases of life. So this means that each person is going to have different conclusions over what are wants and what are needs for their home and for their ministry. So another thing that I want us to kind of keep in mind is that not all wants are unhelpful. And not all wants are sinful. Mm. You know, um, I think we kind of mentioned this earlier, but like some wants will serve others and make them more comfortable and bless them. Um, Some will bring you delight and they will encourage you to give thanks to God for his goodness toward you. Like we talked about that before, um, like letting your possessions lead you to give thanks to Mm -hmm. God for his goodness toward you. Right, right. Um, some of your wants are going to make your children leap for joy literally you know your kids are going to leap for joy over some of the frivolous fun things um, that you or your husband are doing for them you know and if you're not married and you're listening um, maybe this is something you do for your siblings or for you know nieces and nephews yep your neighbor Um, yep your neighbor yep Um, so um, children you know they are getting excited when they see their mother and father are loving them um, and this is hopefully painting a picture of God's love for them. So, mm-hmm. again, like I said, if you don't, if you're not a mother and father, if that's not the phase of life that you're in, um, how are you showing children God's love? And how are mm-hmm. you being a picture of that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, while we're talking about like, you know, once can be good, um, and a lot of times they are, I also do want to talk about how once should be avoided in certain situations. So, um, a want should be avoided if it is foolishly rendering your money. Hmm. um if it drags you deeper into sin or a specific idolatry, hmm. if it is puffing you up in an area of pride, if it is selfish, et cetera. okay. So, um, you know, if your want is going to be doing damage, and again, there's probably more areas than what I just listed. But, um, think on these things. So, I think that we all know what it is to want something so bad and to work so hard to convince ourselves that it really is okay to get it. You know, um, could it be that your conscience is revealing when a want is to be avoided? Hmm. Is that what you're fighting so hard to convince yourself of, that you're you're trying to go against your conscience? Um, you know, this is different than the fear of spending money. So I do want to, Put that out there. This is a little bit different than the fear of spending money. The fear of spending money can also keep us from buying something that our husband might want. Um, I had a friend tell me, you know, they went out on an ice cream date and she was kind of just worried about how much they were spending. And he just said, you know, let me bless you. Mm. So don't let the fear of spending money hold you back either. Um, you know, i uh, my husband recently wanted to get us a new tent and I can be inclined to just, you know, be anxious about it instead of just letting him bless our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times I'll, I'll um, justify it because I say, oh, well, it's not totally necessary. And really, it's just fear. It's just fear of spending money. So maybe that is what's keeping you from investing in things to care for your guests better. Or perhaps you've been putting off an investment in your child's sports equipment or for fixing that bike because you just, you know, oh, we can just wait a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Learn when to say no to you and yes to the face, uh, in the face of your fear and to put your husband and your children and your friends and the body of Christ first. Um, You know, don't confuse the two.
0: Hmm. That's really good. I think there's a easy, easy thing to want to do, and that is um, to think that our frugality makes us more spiritual. Yeah. And so that's like the person who only will shop at Goodwill. Yeah. They'll only shop at. They'll only used. You know, use buy used things. Yeah. Because they feel like that is making them more holy or more spiritual or more sanctified. Yeah. And that's a pride. In right, many absolutely. cases. And so it's interesting how sin, as we've learned so many times on the podcast and so many times as I've read the Bible, sin is so... We're kind of like... um it's like all over yes it's in everything yeah and satan is pretty sneaky yeah and our sins we can become sophisticated because we can start to think oh i'm doing this thing i'm shopping only goodwill and aldi and i'm buying i'm going to this you know whatever i'm only buying generic brand of everything and so that must make me more spiritual even though no one ever would say that
1: right right but But we, we do we think that yeah we have to we have to go back to our heart yeah And really think through that. We do like to moralize some of our tendencies because we don't want to let them go. We also do this with other people.
0: I don't know, Katie, if you've ever done this, but have you ever observed someone and saw something they purchased and sort of made judgment calls on what they decided to buy? Oh, absolutely. So easy to do. And what it really is, if I'm honest... It's me thinking I'm better than they are, yeah. because I either didn't buy that, or I got a better deal, yep. or I shopped used,
1: yes. and that, again, is pride, or yes. that is, again, sin. Yes, yep. So and easy. that has been something that um, I've tripped over myself with that a few times, and it, yeah, it's very humbling. Yeah, it is. And it's something we should be aware
0: of, because it's very easy to think that we're doing it right, which is yes. what we always want to do, which is what sin tells us,
1: is you're doing it right. Yes, yep. But but hopefully in today's podcast you're realizing like oh we're probably doing it wrong and that's let's normal. Yep. So let's figure out where we're doing it wrong and yeah. um you know start working on that which kind of leads me into my next
0: question. You know, since we cannot take it to heaven like the Egyptians who thought they could. Right. They really couldn't take their stuff to heaven nope. or the afterlife. But since we're not like that, should we just like throw it away and be the minimalist that Marie Kondo did on that TV right. movie or show? and and like i said does that make us more spiritual
1: so that definitely seems a little extreme you know doesn't it um and i know i know that you know that that's extreme but first of all not all possessions are hindrances you know some homes have less things in them um some homes have more things in them and yet both can be very thoughtfully filled or emptied to suit that family's needs and to serve others You know, are there some benefits to minimalism? Certainly. Um, Can it also be a selfish thing? Can it be an idol? Can it be driven by a selfish need to keep the home from feeling taken up by other people who live there? Yes, absolutely it can. Um, I personally do love many aspects of minimalism. They can be practical. They can even help, you know, ease strains on relationships within the home. But remember, it is a two-sided coin. And so this means that minimalism can also be a chain and a noose to those within the home. Hmm. So I want to talk about the negative side of minimalism first. And when I talk about this, um, most of this is from my own personal experience okay. with, like sins I've tripped over. Okay. So um, if the people in your home don't feel comfortable using your home, you know, taking out their toys, using lots of dishes to cook up a fancy meal, building a fort, camping in the living room, then you may have managed the order of the home with an iron fist, as I have personally struggled to do in the early years of motherhood. Hmm. And this idea really convicted me. You know, I was um, treating my home like it was my home. And then everyone else who lived there was just lucky to be there. Hmm. You know, in my clean home, but that's actually, it's actually their home and I am the homemaker. So I am making a resting place for them. Hmm. And this is such a high calling, but it took taking my eyes off of myself and off of my own desires to keep this house perfectly picked up for me to even see that. Wow. That's, that's really interesting to think through that. That's really just one preposition change. Yes. From my home to our home. Yes. Yep. I feel like I've been on this pendulum from, like, slob to, like... Oh, yeah, we started and you were a slob. I know, I was a (laughs) slob. And then, yeah, so God has, like, really... I, I've mm-hmm. overcorrected, and he is still working on me. Hmm. Um, so, you know, of course, as a mother and as a wife who loves my husband and children, um, it really hurt me to realize that I wasn't really making the, the resting place for them that they needed, even though I thought I was. Hmm. I thought making it clean was making it a restful place. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so now for the positive side of the coin. Does it help to only have what you need in your cleaning supply closet? Does it help if all your tools are accessible and easy to see? Does it help to have organized storage? Does it help to have a clean kitchen where the bills and the mail don't get lost or the keys or the wallets? Does it help to easily find shoes when you're rushing out the door? Does it help if everything has a place when a precious baby blanket or a soothing object is lost just before bedtime? Does it help... To find lost items from guests when the house is in order?
0: Hmm. Yes.
1: All of these things can bless the people living in and visiting the home. And, um, you know, it can protect a stressed out mom or dad or child from the constant stress and frustration of panicking to find these things. Hmm. Which happens often in homes. Yes. As they're rushing. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So now for the positive side of the coin. You know, um, does it help to only have what you need in your cleaning supply closet? Does it help if all of your tools are accessible and they're easy to see? Does it help to have organized storage? Does it help to have a clean kitchen where the bills and the mail don't get lost or your keys or your wallets? Does it help to easily find shoes when you're rushing out the door? Does it help if everything has a place when that precious baby blanket or that other soothing object is lost right before bedtime? Does it help to find lost items from your guests when your Mm. house is in order? Mm. You know, all of these things can bless the people living in and visiting your home, and they can protect a stressed-out mother, father, child, or roommate from constant stress and frustration and panic. Yeah. So this is my main reason for minimalism. Okay, I am not a minimalist because I do not have a long list of things in my online cart or my shopping list, because I do. Um, It's actually because... (laughs) Too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Hmm. Okay. So I had a friend say that one time, and that has just like stuck with me and reoccurred all through my life. Too much of a good thing is not a good thing. We simply cannot comfortably store all of the toys that I want to buy for my kids. Hmm. Of course, I would love to have all sorts of potting tools and patio furniture or pool toys lawn equipment, but I just can't fit all of that into the storage space in my home. So I have had to learn to say no to my desires often. And it is actually, um, you know, it's not always fun, but I've seen that it's actually really been quite a blessing um, in having a small home. So if you have a small home right now, I want you to see this as like a great opportunity for you to learn a discipline that you Mm -hmm. will find so hard to learn in a bigger home. Yeah. Yeah. So learn it now. Um, I am really forced to think about what we bring in and why we're bringing it in and resourcefully move things out that are in the way of the things that we need more. Hmm. So um, it's rather freeing to learn to say no to my endless wants. And it's kind of fun to get creative and plan out a space to fit in the most important things that you want without impulsively buying things only to find that they don't actually fit in or serve anyone very well. And it's too late to return them. (laughs) so minimalism is all about your spiritual state but you will need to use wisdom to determine when it is freeing you or enslaving you Mm, we're back to the roadmap versus the jail yes so again I feel like it's like God's giving us all these tools and as humans we are so naturally inclined to be destructive with every good thing right Um, so if you want to try your hand at minimalism um, try to use that in a way that's going to glorify God Hmm. um And you don't need to be an absolutist, which I know people who know me are probably laughing that I just said that. (laughs) Um, But maybe you need minimalism in your garage or in your attic or in your kitchen or in your cleaning supply closet, but you like a bursting toy room, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you want a minimalist toy room, but you want that kitchen to be stocked with all your tools. That's really, really a good point, Katie, because... um,
0: Here we're back to like do it all. Yeah. You don't have to. Maybe it's, you know, I like to be minimalistic in certain ways. Like I like my living room not to have very much extra junk in it.
1: That's a great room to start with.
0: And that's just me. And that's something that Bill and I talked about my husband a long time ago that we wanted that room to be free and clear from toys. Yeah. So all of my life it was. And um, not all of my life because I didn't have toys when I was, you know, 14 and 18. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, but since I've been married and had kids. And I think that's been helpful. Like that was our room. And my. I for a long time schooled in an upstairs bonus room. Okay, and that was a lot of stuff. Yeah, because you had all this homeschool books. Yes, all the I had like over five hundred books oh my that were the kids could read because I would buy them at. There's you know, a lot resale. of homeschool moms yes, that, that are totally that. resonating. And with right I now. had toys, and I would rotate the toys out because yeah. we were home all day long. Yeah, but my living room always stayed nice and clean.
1: I love that, and See, that was that's just inspirational. Exactly.
0: <laughs> what you're saying is yeah. you don't have to
1: do it everywhere. No, you don't. And I think it's good to have like a breathing space, like somewhere that you can get to to rest. Yeah. Yeah. So um my desire would be to have a room like that where like we don't have to everything have yeah. everything fit right where it needs to go. Um and yeah, so basically like what we want to get at is that um you know, so long as your home is serving you and serving your family and serving your guests and God then I would say that you're doing well, okay. And it's going to look different. Every yep. home that you walk into is going to be doing um, different service than another home. So, if minimizing areas of the home can help you and your kingdom work, then it is high time you subdued those areas of your home mm-hmm. and enjoy the fruits of that labor. Mm-hmm. And you know, a great, a great little thing that I have learned
0: um, in many, many years is have a lot of people over. Yes, that really helps you not. Hold on to your home.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes they break stuff and then it's like, well, now you got more space. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you get That's rid right. of I like the positive.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes All right, so, it works out. So, Katie, you know, we talked about getting rid of things and being a min- minimalist,
1: but what are some things like what should we keep? How do we decide what to keep? Okay. So, this is, of course, subjective to everyone. Um, so, I'm going to tell you what we personally do. So we keep things that we really need. But for example, um, you know, I'm going to toss, toss a kitchen appliance that takes up space, but it's, but it isn't the only way to get a certain outcome. So um, you know, if you have a kitchen space and you really like that mandolin, then go ahead and keep it. But for me, even when I would use the mandolin. I would choose not to because cleaning it was a chore. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, a lot bigger than my knives. Um, it was hard to get out of that back corner where sure. I stored it. Yep. Um, you know, now I may feel this way about my blender at times too But I need that to process foods in that way. So, at least as far as I know. So, if any of you guys know a way to get around with it, let me know. But um, so I keep my blender, even if I don't use it all the time, because it's unavoidably necessary for some meals. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, um, and again, that's just me. I know people who like want the stocked kitchen, and you should not try to minimize your kitchen um, if you're going to be using these things. Yeah. I just know that I personally tend to not use those items because they're complicated. Um, so, uh, another thing um, I think a lot of people do is just keeping good books and movies, um, but toss the unimportant ones. You know, like this one you may not have to go through very often, but just periodically, every year or every few years, um, toss the unimportant movies that have accumulated, toss the unimportant books that have accumu- accumulated. Um, you know, and think of it as making room for more good books or more mm-hmm. movies or whatever it is you guys love. Um, uh, we like to keep good quality toys. So maybe things that you would want to keep for grandkids, again, don't plan to keep all the toys, right? You're going to get too many, especially now. It's not like it was, you know, 50 or 60 years ago. Like, we get way too many toys now. But if you have a few things that are really good quality um, and you plan to keep those, you um, you know, I think that's gr- that's a great thing to hang on to, but just be selective and be intentional. So sometimes this outlook even helps me Christmas shop um, with the perspective that it may be a forever toy. And with that, remember that you can't bring in too many forever toys. Mm-hmm. You only have so much space over many, many years, and it is going to fill up quickly. Yes. So, you know, limit your forever toys um keep things that work with your overall home design and that serve a purpose um so this is something my sister-in-law and my cousin are really helpful with for me as like I'll send them something I want to get and they're like well what purpose does that serve Mm. because there's a lot of things that are pretty but like what are they what you you can actually tie home decor into an actual thing that serves you sure Um, sure that's right so that has been helpful for me living in a small house. um, so another thing that I like to think of when I am bringing things into my home to keep or trying to decide what to keep, you know, in the long run is, um, I kind of have like this, this dream vision for my home, but I have to go at that. in like these tiny little chunks, like these tiny little baby steps. So, okay. um, you know, say I have my dream kitchen, I can't afford it right now. Or my husband, you know, needs this office space and we have to just kind of go at it in like mm-hmm. little chunks. So, Um, I'll kind of have like a brainstorming vision of what we need for that space. And then over time, I'll just, and and I'm talking like a lot of time, like over the last couple of years, I have just been like picking up here and there little things that work for the kitchen um, that I couldn't just buy all at one time. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. But um, having that like brainstormed plan beforehand really helps me to not kind of grab something that looks like it might work and then it doesn't really right. So um, if you can't afford to just go and get everything at one time, then doing it in tiny baby steps. Just have a plan um, and make sure that you're working toward this end goal. Hmm. That's good. Good advice. Okay, so another thing that we do keep, um, you know obviously we keep things that are special to our family, um, but sometimes these things are not our style. So um, what I do is I try to get creative and I brainstorm ways to make it work. And you would be very surprised how creative you can get. Or, you know, find a style that looks nice with that item for that room and then take on the challenge of like branching out in your design abilities. So I'm thinking like kids rooms, you know, they're probably going to want to do something that you don't naturally want to do Um, or your husband's office or your basement like family hangout space. Um, If you have things that need to go in that space that are just really important to your family, but they you can't really envision them with your style, um, you know, get on Pinterest. Start looking up ways that other people have made that look cohesive in a design and just kind of go for a totally fun and new design new in design, yeah, yep. Your kids will love it. Your husband will love it. Um, so, Okay, so when I can't buy new things, which is often, I, then I'm going to kind of brainstorm designs online that are similar to the items that I already own. And um, I know this is kind of similar to what we, we were just talking about, but um, I find that many things that I already own can work for my home in a way that I just wasn't able to envision on my own. And so like just jumping online and kind of getting ideas from other people has been really helpful. Um, we try to keep things that we can't afford to replace, and we just try to make it work until a real a real opportunity to replace it comes up. So mm. um, again, this is like keeping those wants and those needs in check for items that you really, really want to replace. Um, but get creative and be fruitful with what you have until that opportunity presents itself. Mm. Um, You know, something Rachel Jankovic said was that oftentimes women will refuse to make a home that they hate into something beautiful. Mm. You know, they often just kind of pine after that future home and they're like, well, you know, someday we won't be in this ugly home anymore and we'll have a beautiful Mm. home. And then I can have, you know, then I can make my kitchen prettier. Then I can make my living room pretty. Um, But they're just discontent in the now. So instead of being fruitful in the home that they have, they're, you know, just daydreaming about being finding a way yeah. to get something else. Yep. And I'm telling you, you can make an ugly home beautiful. Like, it is so possible. Um, yeah. You know, my home doesn't even have trim, and we don't even have finished flooring. And, like, we have to put the last row of wood flooring in most of the rooms. We have, like, little piles of wood flooring, and people don't even notice. No. Like, you would be surprised how much people don't notice when you just... Yeah. Dress and you'll space. put that trim in like the week before you sell. I know that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I know. I'm just really happy that we got the kitchen before the week. That we saw. <laughs> that's right. Um,
0: yeah. So um, you know, well, in fact, I, I just want to say that's a really yeah. good point about being content with your home. Yeah. And and that's a really important thing. And it's so easy to start, you know, desiring to have a different home. Yeah. Or to look at new homes and never be satisfied yeah. with what you what's available out there. Right. You know, like maybe it's not, you know, like you want something bigger and better. And so you're just always looking at homes and you're becoming more dissatisfied with your home. Yes. I, I think that's a really good point because it goes back to the topic we talked about with sin. Yes. And how easy sin gets involved in our hearts and our lives.
1: And yeah. that's another way. Yeah. Actually, on that note, so we have like our tiny little ranch house and... Um, this is a two-sided coin, so like this could lead to idolatry, but it also could lead to you being fruitful in the space that you're in. So, um, I have found that like a lot of New York apartments are really tiny. Okay. But a lot of people who own New York apartments, uh, like have this like very high-end design. Sure, and sure. I've kind of looked at those for inspiration on yeah, like how to make my tiny idea. space, because I used to be under the impression like oh, you have to have 12-foot ceilings, and it's like no, you don't. Right. Um. You so. Can- yeah, yeah, and you
0: know, there's more to it than even the decorating. Like yes. a home is different. Yeah. You know, it's based on who lives there and how you, as you talked earlier, if you're making your home your idol, yeah. then you're going to make sure it's all perfect all the time. Yeah, And yep. so, yeah. Okay, which kind of
1: goes back to your have lots of people over. Yeah. And yep. you know what? We're just coming full circle yes, every time you're Katie. Woo! Yes. All right. Um, and it's funny, too, because you were saying, you know, like, even if your house isn't pretty, um, like, I'm just thinking, like, looking back... Um, I can't even believe how rundown our home was compared to now. Um, and making it livable came in like these waves over years. Mm. Uh, but it's weird because like I look back at these pictures and I'm like, wow, like we always felt so cozy and at home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there we didn't have access to a bathroom for like the first couple years that we lived there, like one of the bathrooms in our home. And it was just like blue and mildewy and gross. Mm. Um, but our home still felt cozy, even with yep. that one space. And then when you kind of go in and renovate that after a few years, it's like, oh, our home just grew. Yes. Um, so kind of think of it like that. Like just make what you have cozy until you get the opportunity to kind of hmm. expand. Yeah. Um. You know, it's actually something I was thinking about recently. Is so we just recently renovated our kitchen. Um, we're not all the way done, but it's fairly close. And I was realizing that my pretty new kitchen does not actually feel very different from my ugly, like, brown laminate countertops (laughs) and, like, greasy brown wooden 70s-style cabinets. Um, Right. It doesn't actually feel that different. Like, I really enjoyed making whatever I could pretty in the waiting period. Um, so this kind of blows my mind a little bit because I do feel like uh, I can struggle with discontentment just like everybody else. Um, and that kitchen really was pretty awful, but <laughs> it still brought joy when I cleaned it and when I decorated it. So just be fruitful in the space that God's given you and don't put that off. Hmm. Um, and as we discuss like things to keep, I'm aware that you may wish that you did not have to keep some of those things. You may be pining after the day that you can replace them, but— while it is okay to plan, to plan for your future, both financially and, you know, in your window shopping, um, as you plan to upgrade those things, I still want to encourage you to have as much fun as possible um, as you wait by just making your uh, the things that you think of right now as ugly. Just make them pretty, you know, mm-hmm. um, find a way to be creative, clean them up and decorate them. I love it. I love it. That's really helpful because I
0: think one of the things that's easy to do is to get this idea that um, the only people who are content with their home are people who live in like the mansions. Yeah. But the reality is you can be content. It's really, you know, what's going on in our heart. And um, I also think there's a part of lack. Of being aware of comparing ourselves. Yes. Because I think as women, we tend to want to compare our homes. We go to someone's house for dinner or we go to their small group and we begin to like evaluate as we're sitting around looking, you know, like, oh, my cabinets are earlier than hers, you know. So, you know, like we start to do that. And that's just really again sin. Yeah. And we just have to be careful. We have to be Yeah, absolutely. We have to I think being grateful. Like you yes. said, being grateful for your house and your kitchen and your bathroom that's yeah. blue and mildewy that yeah. you had one, yeah, you know, and being well, we thankful. Well, use it, but, okay, but, but you we did knew eventually, we could eventually use. It. Yes. <laughs> yes, and so I think that's huge to be thankful. Yes, so. okay. So Katie, what are some of the
1: what kinds of things should we throw away? Okay, I think we did kind of cover this in the broad sense above, but um, I definitely think it's good to kind of go over some common things that everybody could probably throw away. So um, you'd probably be shocked just how much you own that is not of any sentimental or physical value to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you probably have broken and unwanted toys. You probably have expired food in your pantry. You probably have expired medicine, lotions, and other beauty products. And yes, those do expire, which probably a lot of you already know. But you young girls out there, in case you don't know, beauty products expire. (laughs) Um, You know, you probably have some burned up candles. And you probably have kids' clothes that are ruined and that just keep getting passed down, but they're not even getting worn. Um, if you don't put it, this is actually, so I'm only two girls in, this is, but if you do not put certain clothing items that you've held on to on two kids in a row, the odds are you are not suddenly going to want to use it with the next <laughs> that's kid. That's right. That's true. Even if it's cute. If And then that's even better. Like give it as a gift to somebody if it's cute, yeah. but you're never going to get to using it. Yeah. Pass it on. Um, Games that nobody wants to play. I don't know if you guys have like those weird games, but we have weird games and it's just Mm -hmm. like nobody wants to play these. So, you know, toss those um, or donate them. Uh, Broken outside toys. Yeah. Just get rid of them. I think um, one of the girls at mom to mom when she did her talk, Audrey Bailey said that they just like go and do the big trash pickup and they'll pick up new yard toys at the beginning of the oh, summer right, and then right. they go get rid of them. They put them back at the yep. side of the road at the end. Yep, That would be a great way to deal with outside toy clutter. Yes. Um, you know, another thing that you could get rid of, um, your husband might not actually want all of his t-shirts, believe it or not. Um, he just might not realize what's in there. So um, make sure that you let him make the decision on what stays and what mm-hmm. goes. It does not hurt to ask him to look through and toss some. Um, odds are he's probably gonna oblige, but don't do that for him. Yep. That kind of goes point. back to yeah, like that's just putting being respectful. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, holiday decorations, if you're not using them year after year, then you probably don't need them. You know, give them away. There's some newlyweds, there are some um like guys and girls living together that yep. um, you yep. know, like roommates that don't have these things. They're just kids starting out. A nursing Um, home. They might want decorations in a nursing home. that's a great idea. I had not even thought about that. So if you can bear to toss it, um, you know, maybe send it to someone who is in need of these things. But if you're not using it anymore, then it's just wasting space. For focusing on things to throw away, um, I know Julie mentioned this earlier, but garage clean out.
0: And (laughs) sadly...
1: This can and should happen annually, or as Julie said, even more than annually. Yes. <laughs> so my mother-in-law actually loves to help come out, So and so does my husband. Um, my mother-in-law yeah. has like a gift for garage organization. I said that she should start a business. It's a very weird skill, but she's good at it. Um, but if you need a buddy to make it easier, I am sure that you have friends that would be happy to help. And... Um, you know, we don't have a basement, but I would assume that that is a space that would be yes. the same, or an attic. Um, but ba- basically, wherever things get put aside for later needs, those need to be assessed periodically to stay on top of things. Right. Um, I bet you all have a- old electronics. Mm-hmm. You probably have old cords. If you mm-hmm. don't know what it goes to, I really strongly urge you to throw it away. Mm-hmm. I know there are people who are like, oh. <gasps> I do know believe you just said that I live with a few I, who I have never that. regretted a, a cord that I didn't know what it went to and I tossed it and honestly even if I did regret it I wouldn't even know
0: I, I literally have a um, milk crate full of cords in my basement oh, no. right now and I saw them the other day and I thought I really need to lay those out but the problem I have is I don't even know for sure what they go to really what they go to which means I have to do more research so what I really need to okay. do is lay them out on my kitchen table
1: Okay, so everyone needs to contact yes. you on how to no. figure out what cords oh, go to? I just mean I need to lay them out my kitchen table
0: so that my family can come and say, okay. I have technological kids. So they'll come oh, and say, okay. oh, mom, that was from my phone I had seven you know, phones ago. I don't even use it anymore. And I go, okay, okay. garbage it goes, you know, or goodwill basket or whatever. Okay. Because I don't even know.
1: That makes a lot Sometimes of sense. Sometimes it's a group effort, right? Yeah, I just feel like if someone were to tell me like, oh, just try to figure out what goes to, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I'm right. not techie. But that's a, yes, you made a good point. So somebody in that house probably does know. And then if nobody knows in the end, then it's probably safe to toss. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Bye-bye. Yeah. So it is funny, though, how we come to feel uneasy tossing these things. You know, sometimes we really do need another person to tell us that it's okay to throw it away. But these are all things that we have finally started tossing. Um, in our household, just in like a desperate need to fit in our small home. And it has never once caused regret down the road. In mm. fact, we usually feel instant relief once the firm decision to toss it has been made. Um, not always the second I put it in the garbage, but like the second the garbage gets taken away. Mm. Then it's just like, oh, instant relief. Um, and the indecision does not feel good. But once we have like decided... It, it does feel like a burden has been lifted. So mm. I just pulled the trigger on some of those things to talk. Yes. About. Yeah. So
0: you know, um, one thing that I think comes up a lot in conversations that I have, what if I I have learned something? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have learned that I need to buy nice shoes. Right. Because my feet hurt. Yeah. So I, I can't just run to my local Walmart
1: or buy flip-flops at Rite Aid right. anymore. Right. Even though it's more spiritual. Yes. <laughs> Well, we talked about that earlier yes. that it isn't actually. <laughs> no, it's not. But is it okay to buy nice things? What if I like nice things? Right. Um so these are these are really good questions. Um so again, this is kind of one of those yes and no questions as far as like is it better for me to shop at Walmart or Goodwill or is it better for me to get you know nicer quality things? Um it's all about your heart, you know? Um and I think we're just going to keep coming back to that and drilling that home. But, um, you know, I want to focus on the practicalities of going with quality versus going with um, the lower price point. Um, so both of these things actually serve their purpose, and everyone is going to have different things that they feel need right. to be quality and those which can be cheap. So, you know, you were just saying, like, you have found that you need to have quality shoes. My feet Um, hurt if I don't. And um, some of us don't need to to do that with shoes, but we may find that we need that for another category of items. So um, for example, uh, this is, again, just my personal opinion, but I always say that a sofa or a bed needs to be Mm. really good quality. And the reason that I say this is because these items, they wear out in such a way that can kind of render them... Uh, right. useless you know like imagine the poor sleeps that you have on a bad mattress or the frustration of like the sinking sofa yep um, but w- even while I say that if you have an old falling apart sofa do not let that stop you from like hospitality and and all of that right um, we just got done having a sinking sofa for 10 years <laughs> um, and, and you it can didn't have people it, over nope it did not yeah it did not hinder us from having people over but um. It is nice to have, but when you're purchasing like a new sofa, yeah, yeah, I don't really want to have a sinking sofa again in three years. Yeah. So um, that made you yeah. think before yes. you purchased. This. Yes. And that kind of gets to, uh, you know, for for like a sofa, for example, I cannot easily afford these items on, on my budget for my household um, if I buy it new. And I was kind of let down on that recently because <laughs> we were shopping for a sofa and I really thought, oh, we could just get a new one. Um so what I found was that I needed to get that sofa from Marketplace. Um, you know, sometimes it's worth your money to save the time and to just buy these things new. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can wait for a Marketplace listing that meets all of their needs. You know, it, I personally usually feel like giving up for weeks before an item presents itself in my price point, pr- in my price point. you know, the brand that I want, color I want, and a location that I can actually feasibly go pick it up. Um, but even when I give a range for these categories, it still can be really hard um, and you just have to be really patient. So I understand that not everyone has that time and right. that it really might right. be more practical for your household to pay a couple hundred dollars extra or a few hundred extra to get um, something new. Um, and, you know, like I was saying, it takes time. So that can be very frustrating. Um, you have to search through a lot to find a good listing, it can be discouraging. Um, but because I cannot afford a new sofa of decent quality, um, I just have to literally, I have had to literally pray for God to just provide a sofa mm. and then watch and wait. Um, this is not my favorite thing if I am being honest, but God has been so loving and what he has provided from that weight. And I always think that it cannot happen. And then it does. Mm. Um, now Not everyone's going to agree with me on this. I personally think that lamps and coffee tables and end tables and bookshelves and picture frames and dressers, you can go cheap on those. Mm -hmm. Um, Dressers are a little iffy. I'm sure that some people will strongly disagree with that. But I am very impressed with my Ikea dressers. And if my kids are going to be using them, it is going to hurt me a lot less for them to break an Ikea dresser than like a $600 dresser. Yes, that's a very good point. Who's using it? Yes. (laughs) So, um, and it's held up well. Um, But that's just my perspective. Um, And I, you know, my brother is a great example because he loves to get these quality like artisan made items that just really make you feel like you've gone back to the authentic good old days. And I find that it's so beautiful, um, you know, that the way that he is intentional with those things Mm. is that's really beautiful to me as well um you know it makes going into his home feel like a break from the busyness of this culture and i would not want my personal perspective to make anyone listening feel like they have to follow me at the cost of cherishing something different than me so my brother cherishes different things Mm -hmm, and so he's going to invest his money in these other things and it's just it's beautiful and it creates a culture in his home um and i think both can glorify god absolutely um you know, something, some things to keep in mind. Quality items are going to last longer, usually. Do your research. But, um, you know, can you really afford to buy new patio furniture every few years? Uh, you know, it's probably better to buy quality over cheap in that event. Um, leather shoes, for example, last longer. Um, especially if you're looking for hand-me-down worthy shoes for kids, um, like leather dress shoes for little girls. They cost a little bit more. Um, but that seems to be the only thing that gets... Right, carried through. through. Yes. Um, you know, um, and I'm finding that really just like kids after age four, it's really hard for shoes to make it... Yes. ...to, to the hand-me-down stage. Yep. Um, and, you know, use your resale shop. I actually have found most of our, like, Ugg boots for the winter for our kids. We've spent $16 or less. We get them at Once Upon a Child and... Um, I feel like I'm sharing all my little secrets, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) There won't be any this next year for you, Katie. That's okay, (laughs) Um, because God knows who needs them, so He'll provide them. But they last forever, and for sixteen bucks or twelve bucks, you can't beat it. Um, And you know, as we have more kids, I find that buying shoes can be a lot tougher each year. So that's kind of why I chose to spend a little bit more on the leather dress shoes. They get passed down. Um, just kind of eliminates one extra shoe need for the next year yeah. or the next kid. Um, you know, as we get older, we get hobbies. And well, I guess young people have hobbies too. But um, you know, as we get better at our hobbies, we like to have better tools. And right. you know, we want that all that hard work to just kind of last longer. So, um, choosing quality over choosing cheap is probably going to be a good call in these types of situations. Um, If you're needing to get a space in working order and you can't afford to do it with high-quality items and you don't have the time to wait, then, you know, IKEA works wonders for many people. And so that might be a good time for you to go cheap instead of Mm -hmm. high-quality. You know, try your hand at DIY, get ideas from Pinterest, um, you know look up IKEA hacks to fit your exact design style. So um, maybe you don't know what your design style is. You could check out like Boho or Farmhouse or Modern, Scandinavian, Classic, Antique. Whatever it is, there is an IKEA hack for you. And then you are on a quicker path to organizing a space beautifully so that everyone feels more settled in because it's now a little bit closer to your budget. Hmm. So... Target is a lot more expensive than Ikea usually. Yes, That's really helpful. I think it's good to give those
0: kind of tips. Yeah. It makes me think of how nice it is to sit down and chit chat with someone about these things. Yeah. Because it's amazing how many conversations you can have about how do you save money? What a great question to ask people. How do you save money? Yeah. Or how do you keep your kid's clothes going from kid to kid? Because as you were talking, I was thinking, so my youngest is 12 and my oldest is 25 and married with his own child. But, you know... um, my oldest son, his clothes couldn't really be passed down because right. it changes style. Yeah. And they got, they were in my hot attic. So all my girls, for example, are all different heights. Yeah. And that main, and also different sizes, their shapes are different. and yeah. And that means that they can't always pass down and they're like, you know, young adults down yeah. to my youngest daughter, 17. And so it's just so interesting. Not always can you pass things down, but what right. we can do, what they do, what they have learned to do is to go to used. yes, And then they also go shop at regular stores too. Like they yeah. kind of blend things together. Yes. And they can, some things you can share. Like, it's just interesting yeah. as we talk. Like you can't, there's not even a right and wrong. Why did I even right. ask that question? Okay. The,
1: well, I think it's like helpful just to get ideas. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the things that my brother invests in that are different from me, yeah. they kind of like spur me on and I yeah. have like a different vision. That's true. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's fun to get other people's ideas that you maybe haven't thought about yeah. and just be like, oh, that would work really well for us. Right, <laughs> right. That's good. All right. So Katie,
0: we've talked a lot about throughout the episode today, it, it's popped in a few times about hospitality yeah. and how important it is. It, as God actually calls us to be hospitable, He right. calls us to do this as a way to love and serve others and and really to share the gospel of Christ with people, whether they're people that are in our homes, our neighbors, whatever. So, right. um, what do I do with all this stuff when we have people over?
1: Like, and what if my stuff gets damaged? right? Um, I was actually really convicted about this. Um, you know, we have like the first thing that I was really thinking about this with was we have this handmade dollhouse for my mom, and it commonly does get broken little by little by my own children. But I also don't want it to be thrown into the chaos of like 10 children riding the high of a play date. Mm. So um, you know, my pastor's wife was really helpful to me in what to do um, in this situation. She had told me um, a couple years back that it is perfectly fine to put things away that I did not want broken. Mm. Although nowadays... Honestly, I just put things away that I don't want to pick up when everybody leaves. Oh, yeah. So there might be a lot of different reasons why you put things away. Maybe it's not even a fear of it getting broken. Um, But it is okay to be strategic. And I find that opening my home always is going to leave me vulnerable to exercise my selflessness with my possessions, whether or not I put things away. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, things still break, things that we love and things that I don't even think to hide away, or even things that I had well wishes about sharing. Um, so sometimes I do feel upset, but each time that it happens, I do find that I get a little better at surrendering it. Um, so even big things that I would have not handled well at all a few years ago have been manageable because of practicing, um, and just having a lot of practice at at my things breaking in the name of hospitality.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I agree with you about, it's okay to put things away. Yeah. It makes me think of how, like, um, when we go to, like, I wouldn't just reach into your purse or your bag. Right. Like, that's your stuff. Right. And I, I think that's okay. I just think we can't have it sitting on the kitchen table. Correct. And then tell little kids, no, you may not touch that. Right. I mean, unless it's a toy. Well, your within vase. moderate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if it's a toy, yeah, then just put it away so no one sees it.
1: Yes. That's a really yeah. good point. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I want to keep in mind that this is coming from a woman who may be more ruffled than most people when her things get damaged, at least. I think that I get more ruffled about these things than, <laughs> than I should. We'll have um, your husband
0: on next week. <laughs> yeah, he would
1: agree with me being a little more ruffled than most people. Um, but, and I think a lot of that is just because, like, when, the past question that we just talked about, about like being resourceful or like going cheap versus, um, you know, getting high quality things. I even purpose to tell my own children, like, I love you more than this book. Or whatever it was that just got damaged and caused an outburst from me, because mm. they may not actually know that. You right. know, I may need to. Um, I may actually need to be reminded of how silly my outburst is, and be reminded that I love my child more than you know this book or whatever that um, just got damaged. Yes, and um, and I also say it because it pulls the situation into its proper perspective. You know, none of our possessions are more valuable than the people in our home being loved
0: Mm.
1: Um, but the best way to roll with the punches of your things being damaged is to open your home or you know as I said have children Um, but yeah start practicing it as God places it in your path Mm. so if you're opening your home and something gets broken on the third time that you have people over for hospitality then that is exactly when God placed that trial in your life and you need to trust him with the timing of it all. Hmm. You know, he loves you. He knows exactly what broken things you need in your sanctification. And he knows exactly when it needs to be broken and take place. Um, And, you know, as I tell my children, when their precious toys break along with their little hearts, um, God loves you and he provided this toy for you and he will provide many more toys throughout your life to enjoy. So you do not need to despair over this. Hmm. And um, I think, you know, raising kids like we're, it's so humbling because we need to hear that for yes. ourselves. Yes, Um, You know, God, we said this earlier, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can replace anything that breaks. And he is also the one who gives and who takes away. You know, oftentimes my wrong attitude toward broken things is rooted in thinking that I have to provide for myself like Gomer said earlier. Right, right. Right, and I have to keep it all safe by my own strength. And I am actually ignoring that my heavenly father provides for me. Or, you know, I'm thinking that God's not good because he let me suffer this loss. So we're kind of bringing this full circle and going back to those heart issues and those lies that we were believing that we talked about earlier. Right. Um, you know, both of these things that I just mentioned are lies. You know, I can enjoy something and be grateful even when God says it's being taken away now. And I can also look forward to what God will provide in the future because he's good. Right. And he already has shown that he's generous with us right That's good. Yeah that's really helpful because I think something
0: happens when we begin I think you you've brought it up multiple times you know we can easily have this uh, we get our our, um, our priorities out of order yeah and that happens so frequently with stuff yeah And I think it we, we have to we've said this a couple times today um, on this episode particularly that you you got to reevaluate it often yeah. It needs to almost be like something we do every day. Yeah. And I love how you talked about talking with your kids about how I love you more than this book that just got ripped or something. Like it's actually not just telling your child that that's important to say that, but it's also speaking truth to ourselves. Correct That we have to remind ourselves of.
1: Because honestly, we all all realize that after the outburst. Yeah. But it's good to speak that um, and just kind of correct everything right away. Right. That's right.
0: Um, Okay. So Katie... um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask is how can I teach my kids that stuff doesn't really matter,
1: right? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I teach my kids that stuff doesn't matter exactly because I guess in a sense I'm, I'm really teaching them that things do matter, um, and I think we've kind of touched on this a lot in the podcast. Uh, one way that I try to teach them that things matter is um, you know when they break things or that when they're not being good steward of the things that God has given them, we kind of discuss the need to be good stewards. Mm. you know what that means with things like toys and clothes and how being a good steward comes from a place of thankfulness for the things that God has given them uh, given them. you know, if we are truly thankful for God's provision and for his gifts to us, then, you know, some of the things that I'm teaching my kids is not to be careless or destructive with them right. on purpose, right. you know. Um, so in that regard, I'm teaching my kids that our things do matter. Now, um, they also matter because we can use them to love and bless others and we can enjoy them ourselves, you know, knowing that God loves us and He has blessed us because of His love for us. But, you know, sometimes things break or they get lost, right? So maybe our child accidentally loses their toy or maybe a little sibling or a guest comes over and they break one of the toys. Um, You know, this can cause a sinful response of anger or maybe a temper tantrum in my child, or perhaps my child feels like God wasn't being good to them to let their toy get lost or broken. Um, So in these times, um, this is a learning opportunity. So we might pray together to find a lost toy, knowing that God is good, right? And we focus on God's goodness, regardless of if or when the toy gets found. Mm. Sometimes we thank God for the time that we got to spend with a toy that has now been broken. And we just look forward to the future when God will provide all sorts of things out of his goodness and love for our children so that they do not despair over that broken toy. Mm. Mm. So kind of just giving them like a hopeful looking forward you know, all right, this, this item is, is gone now, but that's okay because, um, you know, I'm thinking about like when a Barbie doll broke and talking to Evelyn, my daughter, about how, well, God's going to give you so many more Barbie dolls in life. And so you don't need to be despairing right. over this. Um, you know, he loves you and he's going to provide that. So we'll just wait patiently for when that mm-hmm. happens. Um, no, this is not a quick fix. You know, are you always going to be quick to bounce back when something that you love has been lost or broken? Not always. (laughs) Um, But it is a teaching opportunity. Um, You know, this is teaching them to give thanks for the gift that God gave to them and for the joy that it brought while they had it. But it's also good to teach our children that God will be pouring out more goodness and blessings on them all the days of their life, even if it's not what they expect. Hmm, That's right. So um, I think it's also good to remember what Job said. Again, we're going back to Job. I think... I think all of you need to go and read Job. After yes, that's this. the plan. Yep. Um, so, Job said in one twenty-one, part B, the second half of the verse, he says, "The Lord gives, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." So we're you know coming back to that verse. Um, sometimes the best way to give thanks in the first wave of a trial of loss is to just rejoice over the joy that God provided through His gift. Okay, you know he did not need to give you this gift. Um, This was out of his abundant love for you and and his generosity. Um, So the pain of loss it does not cancel out the time of joy that preceded that loss. It is it is a helpful perspective to dwell on the unmerited favor of the Lord that gave a season of joy leading up to that loss. And so you know again like stuff does matter because it's a gift from our heavenly father to make us know his love and to give back thanks to him but it is also good to teach our children how to walk through loss with their toys and their possessions when they are young so that they know how to trust god with bigger losses when they're older.
0: Hmm.
1: So that's kind of helpful. kind of like the stuff is important but you need to be ready to let go of it yeah. at any point with a right heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's good.
0: And it's helpful for our kids to think through that because It is going to happen. Yes, (laughs) so it is. We need to have kind of like a plan, yeah, to know how to deal with it. So that's helpful. So, Katie, I want to tell you a story. Uh, Are you up for a story? Yes, I am. Okay. So, one year, my brother and his wife decided they would wanted to focus on teaching their kids to be generous at Christmas. So they said they wanted to give some of their toys. They said, you know, we want to give you you know gifts at christmas yeah. but we want you to go into your toys right now and pick out some things that you could give away some good things not yeah. not the junk toys even the, the dollar ones. stores right or the dollar store toys you know yeah. but something that was nice and so they they went in and picked out their items and then they came back and they sat them there and uh, my brother and my sister-in-law were very pleased right. because they they were being generous and their my brother and sister-in-law have taught my nieces and nephew to be generous, like, you know, serve. And um, one of the things that um, happened, which was really funny, because I think they were like six and eight, you know, and four, you know, they were like, you know, little. Little, yeah. Is my nephew wanted to know um, if he could pick who they went to. And they said, well, that doesn't really work like that. Like, we're going to drop them off at this food, or this, not food, We're going to drop them off at this toy drive where you can do gently used toys. And he wanted them to be given to his cousin, which would be my son, Jacob, so that he could come over and play with them. So So it really wasn't the right kind of generosity, I suppose. But how do you teach kids to be generous?
1: Right. Okay. So I definitely feel like there's so many creative ways to do this, Um, or I definitely feel like there are so many ways to do this, Um, but again, giving away old toys, like that's a great place to start. And I think it's great because some of those mindsets will come out in conversation. And it's again, a really great teaching opportunity. Um, you know, something our kids don't know that we know is that not everyone has toys. Not all children live in homes where, you know, they have food and they have toys and they have, um, safety and clothing. And so we've kind of talked about these things with our kids and, um, try we try to do that periodically to just kind of remind them because I right. think it's it's really hard to imagine. Yeah. That's um really good. you know when you've you've had that your whole life. So um giving away old toys is great. I think precede it with like that lesson about what is being experienced by other children. Yeah. And then to um, you know, encouraging them to be generous and what that looks like and kind of address those little Right. Those, those cute, but also uh, really selfish, maybe reasons why our children. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, talking to your kids about kids in need, um, you know, kids who would normally not have much and who may really enjoy those old toys, um, you know, teaching. Children to share with siblings is another mm-hmm. way. Yeah, um, maybe plan sharing opportunities with your child. So let them be a part of the planning. Um, you know, I've had some moms say like, "Oh, let your children plan." You know, a tea party with their friends mm-hmm. and like with the things that they own. And yep. I think yep. it's a lot more fun to share your things when you are. It's your kind choice. of owning that. Yes. Like yep. this is like their gift, your gift to your friends. Um, I I know. That um, someone had told me when their children were like being really selfish with a toy, they might actually intentionally have them donate that toy. And like Mm. they actually would make that their child go through the process of, okay, we're going to take this to goodwill. right? Um, And yes, that is hard. And that is, you know, definitely a consequence. And that can be a hard consequence, but it's also like getting their mindset on, okay, we are being really selfish with this right now, Mm -hmm. but... The way that we're going to address that is that we're going to be generous towards someone else with right, it, right? and um, I think God does that with us. Like, don't be afraid of like a, a painful consequence for your children yeah. because it really builds character. Um, you know, sometimes we force our children to share. If uh, you know uh, something that I might force a child to share over is if I see that a child is taunting another child, or maybe bragging, or like wanting to take the notice of the children around them they get to play with it yes Yes. and so in that case i might say oh you know what you are taunting them with it and so your desire is to make them want it so now Mm -hmm. i'm going to take this toy from you and you're all done with it Mm -hmm. um and i'm going to let them play with it now Mm because you have you've wanted them to want it Mm -hmm. um so that is kind of an area where we might force our children to share um, you know, and we kind of explained to them, like, this, is a con- this was a bad consequence for a bad choice. And we will kind of go into why we're having them give that toy to their sibling now. Um, hmm. Yeah, so uh, we also, I think a lot of people do this. I feel like I've noticed a lot of people do this. But um, we do have kind of special rules for when we have guests over. Um, so I'm not going to expect my guests' children to... Do things the same way. Um, if you know, if a guest child is playing with a toy for you know half an hour, I'm not going to be like, okay, you know what, it's time. Right. So, what I might say to my child in that situation is, you know, um, you get to play with this toy every day. Your right. friend doesn't actually own this toy, and so like they're so excited to get to come here right. and play with it. So we're just going to let them play with it as long as they want to today, because yeah. you get to play with it all day tomorrow if you want. Yeah. And just kind of saying, you know, look at how happy they are. And yeah. doesn't that make you feel happy to see your friend being happy? Because right. I think as adults, our natural instinct a lot of times is like a part of us dies when someone else succeeds, yes. you know? Yes, um, yes. And so like addressing that with our children young, like I know it's kind of killing them a little bit but to that's not good. get to play with that toy. That's okay. So, yeah. yeah. Focusing on like, oh, your friend's happy. They're joyful. And so that should make you joyful. And that's a little bit
0: of a commercial for the idea of, being willing to babysit someone's children, okay? Yeah. Because then you can train your children while you are babysitting someone else's children. Oh,
1: that's really good.
0: Because it's really awkward to do those conversations when your friend is over. That's a great point. So being willing to babysit other people's children and care for them, I'm not, you know, in a way that you can, not like you're going to be constantly disciplining your child, but as a training opportunity.
1: That's actually a great idea. I love that. Um, yeah that's that is so true though it takes a lot of the pressure off to have the freedom of just being able to like teach yeah. the kids without other adults observing yeah um, yeah so it's good to teach them to think of others more highly than themselves. And so this often means that having them think of the needs of others and not just their own needs and wants. Um, This can be hard with kids. And I think you can feel like a broken record, especially, so mine are little. And so when I'm like teaching my five-year-old son or my almost three-year-old daughter about thinking of others before themselves, it usually looks like me saying, you know, how would you you feel Mm -hmm. if someone came and just wanted to play with that toy the whole time to show you how to play with it? Mm-hmm. That probably wouldn't be very fun. No. Um, so, trying to get them to think of how the other person feels, because I don't think that they naturally do that. Um, no. Right. That's so a good I, point. I guess for this question, like what I think I keep coming back to is um, t- like observing their behavior and then looking for teaching opportunities in that. Yeah. Um, You know, I think like what you were saying, just having other, having them with other kids. Yes. And then as, as need arises, just addressing that, oh, you know, you're doing this right now. And this is why let's try doing this. This Mm -hmm. is what, this is what Jesus says and um, kind of playing it by ear in that way. Okay, so you know another thing th- that a friend of ours actually said that they did, so their kids were allowed to have special toys that were just theirs. Mm-hmm. But if the toy was in a community space, then it was a community toy. Mm-hmm. So if they had their special toy that they did not want others to be playing with, then it needed to be put away. away. Hmm. And I think that's, um, honestly, that's really a great way to teach your kid to be a good steward because we were just saying that we as adults do that with some yep. of our things, right? But we have to think ahead Yep. And we can't just wait for our guests to be there to be like, oh, please don't touch that. Right. You exactly. Know? Yeah, that's In a good point. But yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, maybe you tell your child that they will need to share things. Um, like, so say your child wants to get candy out. Well, that's fine as long as you are willing to share your right. candy with everyone, which right. means it's going to go a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, Yeah, or sometimes we just have them wait to enjoy certain things for when all of our friends are not. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I think um, as a parent who's a little further along than you are, Katie.
0: Yeah. um, I I think it's okay to let kids have a special toy. Yeah. I I think that's helpful. And all of my kids have had that. But I agree with you putting that special a toy away, yeah. special a toy, putting that special toy away when they're having family over, friends over, people to come over yeah. is important. Yes. And I think it's okay to teach them to be careful to put over, but they also can't go yeah. in their closet and pull it out and play with it. Yes. Like there's a lot of, that's really just following kindness rules. Yeah. You know, as yeah. you go through it and being able to say, okay, you know, we have to, these are the, the group toys and being having toys available yes. for kids to play with. Yeah. That's another one. I've I've been to people's homes who had like three things. Yes. The other thing I think that's really helpful with toys that has helped me a lot is if you have multiple kids of the same that want the same toy, yeah. There have been times that they have all gotten the same thing for Christmas. Oh,
1: that's a good idea because everybody
0: idea. wants, uh, you know, a, a certain kind of baby doll. Yeah. So instead of having them, that be a constant fight and battle. And, right. And I want my daughters to grow up to be moms if right. they can, and I want them to love children. So I would rather them sp- all, each have their own baby doll to play yeah. church or we're going to go to the park with our babies or whatever. You know. Yeah. 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 Or if it's if it's a truck or a, a toy that my boys wanted, I'd rather have them all have the same. Now I'm yeah. not going to go to the extreme. And say everybody
1: has to have everything the same. Right, exactly. But there are times that we've done that. Yeah, I think that's actually a really great idea. And I really liked your point about how, um, like, every kid having, you know, every kid has had a special toy. I think it actually really prepares them for adulthood. Yep. So uh, just having to, like, figure out how to manage that toy so that, you know, they're not using it in a way that is going to hurt others, but they're also not. Um, you know they're responsible to put it away. Yeah, and I also will add this last comment about toys. Yeah, I think
0: toys that can be used in multiple ways are good to buy. Yeah. So, although I'm sure there are people who like the guitar, yeah, the toy guitar, but I never would purposely pur- purchase that. I would buy blocks and animals, little yeah. baby animals, because you can they can be built right. It can grow in all the ways, and my kids loved many Christmases to buy everybody got something that fit with the same thing. Yeah. So like maybe everybody would get a Lego set that all kind of eventually went together to be the city. Oh, that's or so fun. Or Playmobil. They yeah. love Playmobil. We do too. Yeah. We've got and a big Playmobil. Yes. Then. And I have I have Oodles still in my house today. Yeah, And they're there for my grandkids someday. Yeah. That's
1: one of those good, that's yep. one of those high quality toys that you can pass down. Yes. And, there, and yeah. I'm going to keep them yeah. because
0: there's multiple there. I don't even know whose belongs to who anymore. But that was yeah. so much
1: fun at Christmas.
0: And they learned to share because... Oh, you have the pet set? Oh, I have the zoo. Can we have yeah. our animals intertwined? Yes, you know. Yeah, and so I, I love think that. that's a really good, really good thing. Katie, you had so many, many good things to say today. And I Thank think it's you. really, really
1: helpful. Would you um, you know, if you had to like sum it up, okay. yes. Um, if I had to sum it up, you know, when I was thinking about like how to sum this whole thing up, I kept thinking about how Rebecca Merkel and um, her book Even Exile, she said that she hesitates to define methods too much for the most part. And I really felt the same way just because each woman that's listening to this podcast is going to be so different. Um, you know, some of them are married, some of them aren't. If they're married, then maybe their husbands have very different desires for the things right? Um, you know, that their family might need. Each cluster of kids is going to be so different and have different needs. So um, I think like one of the biggest things that I want you guys to take away today is Um, none of us can do all of the great ideas. And so it's better to personally just kind of collect great ideas that you can maintain and which will bless your unique family instead of trying to do it all. And then feeling like a scatterbrained failure when you can't do what it took 20 of your friends to do. Right. And which none of them are doing all of. So if that makes any sense at all, um, You know, I'm also just a really big fan of baby steps. I personally cannot do big, huge changes without feeling overwhelmed. And so I try to break things into steps. Mm. Um, You know, maybe each season of life, you find that you have maintained routines enough to add in a curveball and to learn a new method for something. Right. But five methods at one time might be a burden, whereas one method at a time over several years could lead you to having, um, you know, a manageable lifestyle that just really blesses you and your family. So, um, think of it as like you're in school and you're just going to go through each grade. Right, and you're going to get better all the time. Um, I also want to point out that I do not do all of the things we talked about today. Neither all, do I. <laughs> all at the same time, and and I don't even do all of them. You know, I said some of these were ideas from friends. Um, but you know, we take turns with the big things like home organization. I am not deeply organizing my home all the time. I am not deeply decluttering all the time. You know, we have seasons where we have more hospitality. Uh, we have seasons of renovating spaces, seasons of planning the next project. So, sure, we do some of these things more often than others, and we sometimes do more than one of them at a time as needed. You know, I am no superwoman. Um, I take rests. I cannot always do the things that I want to do, depending, you know, on the needs of my family. Um, Maybe a project has to wait and things like this. Um, So to round like all of this out, I would say to just really work toward having a place for everything in your home. Um, No, this will never be 100%, but I think just kind of thinking of like how you can whittle that down. Um, You know, we gave some practical ideas. Maybe you start with a small space. Um, And then I was thinking about like things I do every day. Um, I think everyone has to do dishes every day. I think Mm -hmm. that laundry may not be every single day, depending on the size of your family, but this should be being regularly done throughout the week. Um, And I think making the beds. I feel like these are things that are going to help keep your clutter from like snowball effect. Yeah. Um, And then we do pick up items throughout the day. So, and I personally do not wait till the end of the day to do this. I just kind of do it throughout the whole day. Um, Something my husband had decided that I did not love, but I am very thankful for now, is that he decided about two years ago that our children would be responsible for picking up all of their toys Um, and that I was not to be doing this for the most part. Um, And that was really frustrating at first because they're much slower, but now they are very good at helping to pick up as well. Mm. And so now I can actually delegate. Um, So I would just say, pull your kids into it. But if I could tell you to do anything every day, it would be just picking up miscellaneous items that you guys have been using throughout that day. Do your dishes, do your laundry, make your beds. And that will kind of make the rest of the organizing a lot more manageable. Hmm
0: good. That's, that's a good summary. And there was so much today that we talked about. Yeah.
1: Would you um, pray for us today, yes, Katie? Yes, absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful that you um, gave Julie the vision for it and the drive for it and the mind for it. I thank you for the women and. Um, in this church and uh, the women who have been able to come on and share their wisdom. And I just pray that you will bless the women listening today. Um, I pray that you will give them encouragement and um, spur them on to glorify you in their lives and with their homes and in how they serve their families. Um, I pray that this podcast today will have blessed them. And I pray that you will Um, bring great fruitfulness in the lives of the women listening today. I pray that you will bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Katie, for coming on today. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right.
0: And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit. A tiny tidbit is just a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Okay, today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you from Taylor Castillo. By the way, what a beautiful name. Thank you. Glad you're here. So today, what are you going to share with us? What tiny tidbit can you share? Today, I am going to share how to pick a paint color. Oh, everybody wants to hear this one because I think so. I get asked a lot. Everybody right now is picking gray. <laughs> oh, can we just put gray on every wall? That's what they're doing. That's so. unfortunate. That makes <laughs> okay. me sad. They okay. should come to me. <laughs> so t- you might get a few people to come to you now. <laughs> but what? How do you do that? How do you pick? Oh, uh, you know, it's kind of a process for me. It's not just a quick go to the store and grab a couple paint samples. Okay, I really like to create kind of a visual resource for myself, kind of help me figure out what I want that room to be. Uh, So I make a mood board. Like I go to social media, I find
1: a bunch of images that kind of fit the theme that I'm going for. Or, you know, I'll, I'll take pictures of friends houses or vacation houses I've been to that I really like, and I kind of get it all together. Uh, maybe I've got like a couple throw pillows or an area rug already picked out or sheets for the bed and I
0: throw that in there too. Okay. Um and then I take that all to the paint store with me and I think what colors oh. go with this mood board. So you can't just take a picture of it. You mm. need the real thing. Yeah, you kind of need the real thing. Okay, so then when you pick your color, mm-hmm. you um do you always do all the same wall, the walls all the same color or do you do the like accent wall? Do you like add different? Do you have a do you have wood trim? We do have like really big craftsman style wood that's trim. Beautiful, mm. it's still wood. Please mm. leave it that way. I know. <laughs> I know you will. So anyway, do you always do the same? you all th- all four of the walls the same, or? Uh, sometimes, sometimes I mix it up with an accent wall, okay. and that might be paint or wallpaper. Because uh-huh. that's coming back. Ooh, it's <laughs> just like flare pants. They're coming back, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some things are good. Wallpaper. Some things are not. I don't know, I've I've peeled too many wall too much wallpaper off the wall before. I don't want to put wallpaper up.
1: Well, that's for the next homeowner to worry about.
0: Yes, this is true. <laughs> and they they certainly are going to come out with better wallpaper that is not as gluey, or maybe I, could come yeah, down uh, better. Like they probably have something. Sure, out. there's like peel and stick wallpaper now. And you just yeah, slap it that's on. That's what it is, and then you can pull it off. Okay, so your mood board. Do you have one that you can share with us? I do have one for my youngest son's nursery. Ooh, okay. So we're going to put that on our social media today so that you can see Taylor's mood board. Ooh, what okay. kind of mood does that make you feel like <laughs> in a nursery? Sleepy, probably. Hopefully. Yeah, for him. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode. It has been a great conversation. I hope that you learned a ton. This might be one of those ones you repeat every now and then. Um, Join us next week as we jump into our sixth installment of Feminology. Um, This is our series that we're doing. um, It drops the first Thursday of each month. And this year, we're focused on how women should be thinking, responding, and dealing with our emotions. Most women have emotions all women have emotions, and we're talking about them. And next next week on the episode, we're going to talk about a really hot emotion. We're going to be chit chatting about anger. Um, we're going to go to all the basic questions, like is anger even an emotion? Is anger always sin? And how can we even overcome an angry spirit in our own heart? I am very much looking forward to this episode, and I hope you'll join us next week. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.